dear listener and viewer and people doing neither, and welcome to Bird Camp Wonderland. We are a curly whirly wonderland. Old old time listeners, they'll know what that's all about. With me tonight, I have three magnificent guests. First of all, it's our very own Ginger Prince. It's Josh. All right, Treacle. Cool. Hey, Danny. Uh, I haven't got any kind of witty rhyming introduction to bat straight back at you other than hello. Sorry. I like the cut of your jib, sir. Thank you. Moving I... f- what? What? Ah, fingers on lips. Moving from one ginger prince to a sexy brunette. Yeah. It's a very own troublesome mischief maker. We expect him to steal Josh and run off to America anytime soon, but we won't put up with it. We've got our mate Piers. He'll sort it out. He'll make sure this shit doesn't happen. It's Chris Carpenter. All right. Do not ever, ever, ever put me no. in the same category as Piers Moron. Okay. I, I will walk off this podcast. Don't make me walk off this podcast, Danny. The only, yeah. the only reason, let's be honest, the only reason anyone's tuned in tonight is to hear me and James moan. You and Josh are just here for the ride. So, you know, don't... Uh, actually, no, Josh is important, but you're just here for the ride. I'm only so, here to press go. I press go and then I shut up. Uh, the thing everybody wants to know, if you and Josh have a baby, what colour will its hair be? That's what people want to know. Pink? Fucking hell. That is lovely. And finally... My third guest is the person, is the only reason I have Instagram to see pictures of him. Oh, Josh has had enough and gone. Uh, pictures of him, his wonderful wife, and his, his smashing little chap. And I don't mean his winkle. It's James Ralstooks. There, there is actually an Instagram account dedicated to my little winkle, if you want to follow that one as well. I'll send you the link. Is it run by Jock? Yeah, it is. There are several, you know... Mainly for the photographs of him dressed as various historical figures over the ages, you know, Gandhi, for example. <laughs> oh, lovely. How, how very 1970s. Jock was going to be here with us tonight, but Chris stamped his feet and went, we must start at 7.30. I need my beauty sleep. And Jock went, oh, uh, went, I can't be here till gone half eight. So we're going to have another podcast later We're in Scotland time. With Jock on, and maybe, maybe, James, maybe we should just give you and Daniel and Jock the keys to ABW and you do your own podcast because I'd watch that. Oh, Jesus Christ, are you sure that's a good idea? <laughs> it would be, uh, be, be fueled by Iron Brew as well. Yeah, I mean, if you want us to do it, I'm sure the other guys would be more than happy, and I'm game, but. <laughs> On your head, be it. <laughs> well, we did. Uh, we did um, take Chris's the football hipsters onto ABW, and he managed three shows before he gave up and doesn't do uh, it anymore. Well, in fairness, <laughs> a global pandemic kind of stinted, stilted our progress a bit, you know. So pandemic, schmandemic, get on with it. You can do it from your house. It's not like there has to be anything to, to talk about. All we need to know about football hipsters is Inter are going to win the league. That's all you need to know. And. Uh, People of people of, of mine and Josh's talents, you know, we, we need to like we brought back the three episodes to wet the whistle, if you will, yes. and we'll come back stronger when when football's actual football again, which I'm sure we'll come on to. Well, you've not, not missed anything apart from exactly. uh, the French late in Orient got knocked out of the FFA Cup by a, a Division Four team and into a top of Serie. A. Other than that, what is there to know? I mean, Croteau, they won a game at the weekend, but we'll cover that another day, maybe. Oh, don't tell me that's another shit team you follow just because you like to hurt yourself by following stuff that's going to make you sad. Mm, Is that your inner emo that makes you follow shit teams? No, they're just a team that have lost 19 out of 26 this season, so when they win, it's kind of a bit weird. Have they lost more than... Oh, God, there's a play on words for the team bottom of the French League. What are they called? Play on words? Yeah, what's the team bottom of the league? Oh, 
Who are they? Neem uh, at the moment. No, they're not. Do you mean to lose? Huh? Do you mean to lose? That's it, to lose, because they lose. What? To lose are in League 2. Yeah. He says, duh, yeah. like a dirty pig. <laughs> My good God, do your research, man. Well, they, so last <laughs> season they did get relegated then because I wasn't sure whether they were going to relegate them because to lose, do lose, to lose a lot. Oh, look at that, four minutes and 32. <laughs> Oh, I've heard they're mustard. There you go. I mean, I, I, I could just, I just, just set them up. Have they got any goalkeepers they don't want that we can possibly have and then go, oh, fucking early shit? <laughs> anyway, let's say like a few people that are bothered to turn up for this shambles of a show. Here's Phil Macca in, in sunny Norwich. There's Julio Salmondo, who has now moved to the to the Baltic areas of, uh, the, of the world because he's on the run. He, he That's his actual one. name, Julian Salmon. That is a glorious name. It is, but we call him Salmondo because Josh once read it as Salmondo. So we, we pretend that he's South American. He's not. He, he's, he's, I think he lives near Chris or Norwich or neither or somewhere. He probably lives in one of your spare rooms, Mr. Stokes. We've got J-Rob. That's two of our members. They pay money for that and they get nothing for it. Isn't that they good? Pay, they pay money for the privilege of being a member of your yeah. clique. Yeah. I think they pay 99p a month. And um, YouTube has just sent us a, 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 an email saying, soon we will be taking 24% of all the earnings you make from YouTube. I thought, well, that's good. We average about 75p per show. So uh, you'll be getting high rollers. Yes. You could have at least made it easy for yourself, Danny, and said we make a pound a show. Yeah, and then they, they'd have taken uh, the, 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 24% minus 6 to the power of 3. They'd be taking £4.50 for every pound we earn. Yeah, I, I think that's correct. Um, oh, Phil Macker says the pirate looks late naked about an eighties bandana. Yeah, sorry, I actually I did my hands today, so sorry about that. What's it that does look that? very svelte and silky. It, it needs a cut, mate. It, the, the, I mean, I'm I'm getting it's getting a bit out of control here. You, you can't you can't see on account of the headset, but around the side of mine, I cut it myself, and I look like some sort of Peaky Blinders throwback. It's awful. <laughs> I, I can sort of see the fade actually in the side. Yeah, it, yeah you can see it around here where I tried to do it myself, yeah. and let's say I don't have any natural talent when it comes to hairdressing. It's, it's like you got so far and then went, this ain't going to work, is it? And just went, ah, like, oh, fuck it, yeah. it'll do. Yeah, that's what happened to Daddy about 14 years ago, and it, well, I mean, Very results speak for themselves, really. It's not good. Uh, BX Gunner 81 is there, just saw Lowe stepping down from Germany, did he? That's a great yes. picture, by the way. BX Lowe, that's a wonderful picture the there. Of bogey picking hipster, look at him with his shit hair. Um, Jimmy H is there. Loki is there. I know where he lives, just north of me somewhere. Um, Phil Macca loves that he loves the Iron Brew, but I don't do ginger. I have some standards. Uh, don't talk about our, our worlds like that. Archie is there. Um, oh, anybody cares about that? That's madness. Uh, oh, yeah. Ah, Moshin Halif in Pakistan. You, sir, took me five minutes of my day today because the site I use to find out. Where there's the you can see it because when I do the the preview show, which I've just written, we'll be doing it later tonight with Ryan. I do, and if you're a listener, where can you see it? And so Motion said, I'm in Pakistan, they didn't have it, so I had to go and Google Olympia, of course, Arsenal Pakistan. I found out it's one of the channels you've got it on there, so you're in it this week, Motion. 
Um, J-Rob, you've already had something. Uh, Archie's there. Ah, oh, Matt Roberts, who did one of the previous preview shows, is there. Formerly knows uh, Jimmy H and Phil Macker. Getting a bit Bill Bailey on top. <laughs> <laughs> is that um, to me or Chris? Neither. Me. <laughs> Both are relevant. <laughs> I think oh, it's probably like me. I mean, I'll take it. I, I would. I dream of being as funny as that man. Uh, right. So, uh, let's, the first thing we're going to talk about is the Burnley game. As Josh did the Burnley show with John, and it was a very fine show, how you managed to get one hour and eight minutes out of that. I listened to the first 20 minutes and the last 10 minutes and then, then gave up. So, well, I'm um, glad to see that we were that enthralling uh, that you managed to, you know, get through half an hour of an hour show. Yeah, but you lied. You it. said Callum Chambers was coming on and he wasn't. You, you, you fold the, the listeners are Googly and now they're all expecting I said Callum, Callum Chambers. Chambers was, I said Callum Chambers was coming on this show. Um, and oh, we mate. did try. We did try and it find. Uh, we, we went we through the phone his agent book. and his agent went wanted uh, £6 million or whatever the number was that Aaron Ramsey's agent told him that Aaron <laughs> Ramsey wanted for coming on here. <laughs> Ah, sad so, uh, times. James, did you see the game? Yes. Right. What What was your thoughts on the game? We'll do a I couple of minutes each on this because I still haven't seen it. It's terrible, isn't it? Um, it, it, it's a whole smorgasbord of emotions. A, in patches, the team played well. B, whichever way you cut it, Xhaka did something fucking stupid. But you can't, I don't personally blame him for the result. I mean, blaming him for the result is no different than saying it was Pepe's fault because he's an open goal. Or, or, no one player is responsible for the team drawing the game. Uh, he's responsible for the goal, but eh, we had enough chances to win it. It's just, I don't know. I mean, my overwhelming emotion from watching it is it's one of that you, you're not surprised, are you? Somehow Arsenal conspire to do something bloody stupid, don't they? Or somehow be underwhelming in the face of a game that you should ordinarily win quite comfortably. But at the same time, there's no point getting too mad about it, is there? I mean, a draw away from home at Burnley is not the worst result you're going to ever put on the board. So I don't know. I was just all a bit, uh, after I'd watched it, it's like, uh, we should have won, but we didn't. I'm not surprised. The way this season's been going, that exact performance will happen again. And as long as it doesn't happen on Thursday or against Spurs, I'm not too bothered by it, to be honest. So I've only seen the goal because I was watching um, uh, the Gooners pod and uh, they were a bit cheeky and they played the video of it. So it looked like the, the ball came in from the right-hand side and then someone passed it and then one of our defenders passed it back to Leno. Then Leno went, oh, oh what do I do? And Leno quickly gave it to Xhaka and Xhaka went, me to do with it and then Jack had tried to clear it hit a player and then went went in past uh went in off his chest didn't it or something like that have I got that right? yeah you just uh, I mean wh when I first saw it I was like I was very much firmly entrenched in the camp that Leno shouldn't have given it in there and maybe a, a small percentage of me still believes that but a higher percentage of me now believes that <laughs> you gotta hold Jack responsible for it and that's the problem you have with him he, he's he's good but he'll do that. I heard an analogy about it somewhere else, and I can't remember where I heard it, but someone said it's like having an – Jack is like having an employee that puts in good performances for two months, but every now and then will punch a customer in the face. And you've got to ask yourself, you've got to ask yourself is it worth having that person around? Yeah, I think we're still at the case where we've got a couple of players like that still in the Devin, squad. Yeah, David Luiz is the same. Yeah. 
exactly and it's the problem that you can't have you know two employees punching customers at different times um they very rarely sync them up together uh and have an awful game uh but when you look at what we've got in our midfield as well it's there's not many other options you, you, people calling for Danny Sabayos. Do they not remember Benfica, where we nearly got knocked out because he had an absolute horror show of a game where two mistakes, wasn't you know, it? Two mistakes nearly cost us going out. I know it's a um, you know an inferior competition, but we still should be getting through games like that, and we can't have people shit in the bed. Um, but yeah, uh, that's the kind of worry for me: is what do we do with the midfield? until the end of the season, because we can't get anyone in now. Just got to really hope party stays fit. Mm. So they ain't got to worry about, because I don't think you can really say it's Xhaka's fault that Xhaka's the second best midfielder at the club. I mean, that that's something I personally think needs to be addressed. I mean, I don't dislike him. I don't think he's a bad footballer. He's just one of those players that's going to do what he did mm. on Saturday, and he's going to do it again, and he'll continue to do it. And it's only a matter of time before he does it at the worst, least opportune moment of all. I'm just getting people's questions from Twitter. Um, and I've got the two that have already been put in our chat. Chris, what's your thoughts on the game? Can we, like, like Josh was just saying, that in the um, the Benfica game, Ceballos made made a couple of errors that, that led to a goal. It was Leno and Jacker's fault that that goal happened. Can uh, People are shouting and screaming that, uh, that, that it's the manager's fault. But... He doesn't tell them to go out there and do it. Now, he picks them. But like James was just saying, Xhaka is probably the second best midfielder at the club. So where does the lay, where does the lay problem? <laughs> Put those well, words in the right order. Well, you, you've, just, you've just laid out the problem there when you said Xhaka is the second best uh, midfielder at, at Arsenal Football Club. There, there's your first issue right there in, in a nutshell. Um, I, for, for once, I'm, I'm actually going to defend Arteta in this one because I, I don't think it's the manager's fault because the... The players are carrying out his instructions um, and not very well in this circumstance. My kind of issue with this whole goal, I, 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 bl- I do blame blame Shaka, and at the same time, I don't. I, I blame him in the extent that he makes a bad choice. It, he's some a couple of other people have mentioned this. It's, it's what I call the El Nene pass in that position. Just take a touch, fire it out to the right back, the left back. You know, it's very easy. I'm not sure if you look at the trajectory on. On the attempted pass that he he tries to make before kicking it into Chris Wood's square frame, um, <laughs> it, it doesn't look to me like he really knows where that pass is going. It, it's almost just like a a kind of a, a a whip of the leg and hope hope for the best that it ends up with one of our players. It doesn't seem to be any thought about where he's trying to play it. Um, what I two things that two things that really bother me about Shaka is that he's not good enough to play under pressure. He's just not. He's he's not mobile enough. He's not quick enough. You look at our goal in particular. It's made by Thomas Partey's um, body shape, his movement, and his ability to pass, receive a pass, and go again. Xhaka doesn't do that. Xhaka receives it uh, square on, and he receives it in areas. If you give him time on the ball, and you give him a, an angle to hit, you know, a long distance pass, he's very good at that. Absolutely no doubt. But you don't get that sort of time. In, in the Premier League and in Europe, you, you just against any anybody that's got a brain will press you. If you play Leeds, no problem. You know, they'll sit off you and, and let you play over the top and in behind and whatever you want. But when you play a team like Burnley, they're going to be in your face and their their game plan was was spot on and that forced the, the Shaka mistake. The other issue I, I probably have with with uh, with Granite um, and a couple of other players is that they're not getting rested and that's probably one that I will 
we'll label Artessa a bit in this one because he is he's an ever present and that mistake to me came across as a player who's tired a player who's mentally fatigued who you know six seven weeks ago with a fresh mind and a, and a fresh body probably doesn't take a touch he just receives it and passes it on you know or he screams at his goalkeeper go long it just had that kind of that that sort of rushed element to me of a, a player who's who's a little bit mentally worn down in terms of how many games he's played and how much is on his shoulders. Uh, and I don't really think the manager trusts anybody else. And you said about Ceballos, yeah, he, he made a mistake in, um, in in Portugal, absolutely held his hands up and and rightly so, it was a mistake. But for me, he, he gives us so much more than, than, than Xhaka does just on the ball. His work rate's far better. He's a lot more mobile. Um, he's not the most mobile, but he's more mobile than Xhaka is. That said, my fridge is more mobile than Xhaka is. And I just think he's he's technically a better partner for for Thomas Partey. But I mean that's a debate for another day. Because um, was- I was going to say I think of the three to play with Partey, the best choice is El Nani because he'll just sit there and do the dirty work and it lets Partey go forward. Yeah, that's Whereas- also true. But as El- I was thinking the other day, why does he keep playing Xhaka when Xhaka's got a fuck up in him? Sabios has messed up. When was the last time El Nani messed up? El Nani I- just goes out there and does the job. But, but, he's uh, he's uncomplicated and he's not flashy, is he? Exactly. That's what you want. And the you thing with you, sorry, Chris, you go. That's no, right. It's only a quick one. And the thing with Alnene is is he'll he'll give you eight out of ten every week. The problem is the eight out of ten that he's giving you is sideways and backwards, whereas the five or six out of ten that that Jacker might give you every week also includes an assist here and there, a long pass that releases Saka or whoever. He he actually can produce the odd moment of magic, the free kick, for example. El Nene will never do that. He will always just do the simple things, excluding the, the shot against Barcelona, of course, which I don't think we've ever seen since. But um, Although, didn't he hit one earlier on in the, in the Europa League? As well, uh, yeah, yeah, the mighty mighty right as well. yeah, I mean, to be fair, Danny could have scored against them. But yeah, um, that, that's, the, that's the reason. Xhaka wants a player who, who influences games, whereas El Nene just kind of keeps games going, if that makes sense. I think the other, yeah. I think the other thing is Granite Jack has got a left foot, and we don't have that in our midfield at all in that kind of area. And we know Arteta's a stickler for players with a certain foot playing on certain side of the pitch and having them available. Um, don't know what you mean. I think, oh, oh, we could go into our centre backs <laughs> another time, or our uh, wingers maybe, or our wingers of how he doesn't want to play all three of our best wingers together or best, uh, you know, creative players because they've all got left feet. But I think that's part of the problem as well is that he is so wed to his system that there needs to be occasionally a little bit of compromise. As Chris said, Jack has played a lot of minutes. It's the most of any outfield player this season that Jack has played. And when you saw Saka, um, personally, I thought he looked jaded. It may not be that he wasn't physically fit, but he didn't look mentally fit. Some of the decisions he was making were just the kind of signs of, like you were saying, Chris, the, some of these players need resting. Um, and it's just by far and away, Xhaka and Saka have had the most minutes of anyone at the club at the moment. Yeah, there's um, just uh, it's weird that you, I was just thinking about the season and I thought I'm just looking at the stats, Josh. Like you said, uh, Jacker mm. has played 2,620 minutes more than any other outfield player. The most is uh, Leno with 3,072. And I looked at it and thought, 
hold on, how's Leno played 34 games this season? They've played Jack as 32. And I thought, plus the season's three quarters of the way through. That's mm. that's the kind of effect that lockdown has had. And I still think this feels like the beginning of the season because things are just starting to fall into place. And then we're on a run of three or four games. And then we're on our ass for two or three games. And it's very disconcerting. Um, someone put something in here. Uh, here we go. Paul Avis, what do you think about this, James? No doubt Xhaka will start on Thursday. He is the worst central midfielder I have seen at Arsenal, and we had Danielson. Is that a fair shout? Mm, I don't know if you can say that. I mean, shit, we had players like Eddie McGoldrick, for Christ's sake. And, <laughs> I mean, Xhaka, I mean, you wouldn't put him in your top 10, that's for sure. And Is he worse than, worse than Stefan Maltz? No. <laughs> <laughs> is he worse than Alberto Mendes? No. I mean, there Don't are say worse. Dave Hillier or Ian Selly because they are friends. <laughs> I like, see, I, I was actually, when I was younger, I was a big fan of Ian Selly. He said he's going to come on the pod. And uh, David Hillier, he, he lives in Bristol, so he's all right by me. <laughs> um, I don't know. Can you say Xhaka's the worst midfielder ever to play for Arsenal? I mean, sure, shit ain't one of the best, but he ain't one of the worst either. <laughs> no, Chris, no, what do you reckon? He's not one of the worst. Uh, the, the thing, the thing is, like the, the maybe he means in recent history. In recent yeah, years. I, I think I still think the worst is 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 reaching. But I take his point. I think I think the the, the larger point that we're making here is that if we're going to move forwards, which at the moment feels like the longest process in in history of in the history of the sport, but if we are going to move forwards, we have to be glacier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With the Titanic attached to it, we need to. We need to be looking at better players than 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 Xhaka. Um, it, it's it's a, it's a real shame that that the likes of of Ganduzi and, and Torreira are not around at the moment. I mean, it's a shame, obviously, that Ganduzi is is you know sort of the way he is, shall we say? We'll see what happens there. Can I, can I say what he is, time. which is a massive prick? Well, yeah, but but <laughs> we, we've had plenty of those in our in our past, Josh, and they've been successful. You know, um, that's true. One bit of turning ground for us. Pilot, by the way, you know. So, but but I, t- I take your point. It's it's a shame that he isn't disciplined. Let's just say that much. And it and it's also a shame that Torreira just didn't settle in the Premier League. I don't think that's anybody's fault. But that type of player, I think, would lift our our levels in that central midfield area. And the the problem that I I have with Xhaka is, and it, this is a bit thumb to the nose. He's just not an Arsenal player. Do you know what I mean? He he's not a player that you look at and associate with the style of play that we as Arsenal fans want to watch and it's kind of like how you know like West Ham fans have this West Ham way thing nobody can really explain to you what the West Ham way is but all they can explain is it's not Mark Noble do you know what I mean it's kind of I just I just need dynamism you know a bit of creativity Thomas Partey is a big bloke but he glides across the pitch his his work rate is is immense his passing is effortless Xhaka, to me, we used the analogy for Fridge earlier on, but it's it's just almost like everything he does is is two steps slower than it needs to be. And and if I'll, I'll stop on this and let Josh have a go, if Xhaka was in the in the midfield of Newcastle, uh, Burnley, um, you know, even like Fulham, would would it's, you? It's say, got the police outside their eyes. Yeah, that was me. Sorry, they're coming for me. Um, would you would you say, oh, that's a player Arsenal should be going for? No, but yet you look at someone like who maybe Josh can elaborate on, yeah. Ibasuma at Brighton. He clearly stands out 
no offence, he's far too good for Brighton because he's athletic and he's strong and he's powerful and he can tackle and he can foul just like Shaka can, but he's got more to his game um, and he used to play in France. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. I, I would say reckon, he Josh? is. Well, he is the player that you promised us that Michel Seri would be uh, well, yeah, in the I mean, Premier League. Yeah, from there. And I think that's the thing with, as you kind of say, if Xhaka was sitting in the right kind of squad, that plays him. And that is a thing that he doesn't seem like an Arsenal player. And the first thing I thought was actually his mentality was because, uh, you know, for the last kind of back end of the Wenger era, everybody was described as, you know, we were just a team full of, uh, it was it son-in-laws, son-in-laws. It was just, everybody was very nice, very polite. And then we got this guy, Xhaka came in and you know what? He was gruff. He was aggressive he wasn't great in a tackle, but you know what? He'd leave something in on a man and he was there for his teammates. So very aggressive, very quick to get to the referee. And he does seem like, although he has settled with us because he has got a great technique, he doesn't have that kind of Arsenal technique of being able to hold onto the ball, you know, switch it between his feet very quickly and then release it. But he does have everything that I think at the time we needed. You're looking back at that kind of Wenger side, we needed some steel in that midfield. And you know Wenger wasn't going to go for an out-and-out destroyer. He'd already turned down or turned his nose up uh, and go low Kante at that point and said he wasn't the player for us because he wasn't good enough with the ball at his feet. So went with someone like Xhaka. I know it's ironic, but if you looked at Ngolo Kante back then, the guy was basically just a middle-distance athlete who'd go around tackling people and then give it to a more talented player to do something with it. Um yeah, Granite Xhaka is a difficult one. He's coming up to 28 now. He should be at his peak of his powers. So, I mean, he's 29. And, oh, he could That's be. Right. Yeah, he's nearly 29. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think that's the thing that you look at it. We bought this kid. Well, let's say kid. He was 23 when he came in. Well, he's been here for five seasons. We haven't. Yeah, well. I know that's the crazy thing about it. When you kind of reverse it back, you realize we brought in a 23 year old and he hasn't really kicked on from where he was at uh, Gladbach. He's kind of stayed similar. And I think he was one of those players that didn't necessarily, you know, wasn't going to, um, wasn't going to progress as much as he would, but I think has still been like a consistent player for us in that sense. But. Like he's very, mm. you know, you Neutral. know, you look at that, yeah, you look at that Swiss team. Um, mm. You know, I, I like Sweden. I follow them closely, but Sweden's the mm. same. You look at their squads and you go, there's not really a lot of flair in those sort of Scandinavian teams. Norway mm. was the same until Haaland did Haaland things, but um, yeah, he, he's very. He just he sort of screams, "Hello, I'm a, I'm a Swiss international mm. playing for a sort of second tier international team." You know, it's yeah. like, and I think. Yeah. When you look around, especially when we're speaking about players at other sides, it does always look like the grass is always greener as well. Obviously, not Serena Basuma. I think he is a superior player, but you could look through any of those bottom sides and say they do a job at the moment. And that's a damning indictment of the quality in the midfield rather than are they better than Xhaka? It just shows you how low that bar is. Would you not reckon attribute-wise, Basuma's a little bit in the same similarity bracket as Thomas Partey. And that maybe Thomas Partey would be benefited by someone who's not the same as him next to him. I think he can... 
Yeah, I think it does need to be like a, a chalk and cheese in the midfield rather than having two players that are so similar. Basuma's got a... Well, I'd say he's got a longer range of passing. I've not seen a... I've seen more of Basuma than I have of Partey, to put it that way. Certainly this season as well with all of his injury issues. But I think... And I kind of come back to it as well. I've got a nagging feeling that if we're going to replace Xhaka... He's what Arteta's going to want to find a left-footed defensive midfielder, and for the life of me, I can't think of one off the top of my head that immediately comes to mind. Um, and I don't know if anybody else can as well, because that's the problem. I could really off the Kim Kalstrom. There we go. There's one. <laughs> if his back's all right. Now, either yeah. way, it doesn't matter. No, uh, but Chris, is there anyone that comes to mind immediately that you'd think? I think one of the things you kind of got to bear in mind that if the price is right, we're not afraid to go and do aggressive business. That's something that's changed in the summer. You know, Thomas Partey was there and we just went last day. All right. Mm. Up yours, Atletico. We're having him 50 million straight down, signed off by the Cronkies. He's our player. So is there anyone that you can kind of think of that? What's the, um, the guy at, um, at Dortmund? Didn't he left third? I can't remember his name. Not Emery Chan. <laughs> no, no, uh, blonde-haired German. Oh, Julian Brandt. Yeah, him. He's more of an offensive, sort of creative mm. player, I'd say. He's not really a, a, a CDM or in, in that mould. I, 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 can, I can think of a few defensive midfielders, but as hipster as I want to be or would like to be, I couldn't mm. tell you if they're left-footed, so I might have to look them up. Um, there is a lad at Ajax who who would fit the bill called uh, Ryan Gravenberch, who's who's potentially got the athleticism as well as the defensive capabilities. F- Frankie De Jong is probably the the the, the archetypal signing. We we couldn't afford him. Don't get it wrong. I'm not saying we could go and get him, but he's the type of player I'd like to see party with because he's he's di- he's dynamic. He can tackle. He can break lines. He can pass. He, he's kind of got a bit of everything. And the problem you've got with, uh, I think, a lot of Arsenal fans that are, am I going to go here? Yeah, I'm going to go here. Not very educated in football, is that they... Oh, oh snap. <laughs> <laughs> not anyone on this podcast, of course. We're very well educated, don't you know? Chris, you, re- you really needed to do before you said that. <laughs> I should have, shouldn't I? Yeah. Hey, yeah. Uh, I'll never do that ever again. Um He's not a defensive midfielder. And when we signed him, lots of people were like, oh, finally, we got the DM we needed. No, 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 no. That's not what he is. That's not his job, Atletico Madrid. That's not his his type of player. He's a deep-lying, creative midfielder. That's what he is. He The reason people think he's a defensive midfielder is because he's big and he's strong and he's powerful and he's an athlete. That doesn't mean that he's a defensive midfielder. It just means that he's a midfielder with defensive creativity uh, sorry, with defensive attributes and creativity. But like Josh said, you you need a player that's going to allow Partey to thrive and you need a player... I mean, I, I'm going to go here. You need kind of a better version than Francis Coquelin, a player who's just going to you know, go around doing his business, crunching a few people and doing a bit more. Again, I'm not saying Coquelin because you've got Xhaka, so you know, there's not a lot of difference there. But you need somebody more dynamic who can who can just fill in and cover the ground that Xhaka can't. Uh, Realistic, re- realistically, I think uh, Basuma is probably the best bet. Yeah. And um, the one we missed was Etienne Capoue. 
really, I think, because uh, and he's not he's not lit the world alight for, for for Everton, but we would have got him out of Watford for about seventeen quid and a half. You mean Decore? De, uh, sorry, Decore. Um, who did I say, Capoue? Sorry, Decore. <laughs> yeah, that's the other Watford midfielder, isn't it? Yeah, uh, is a bit old now, but yeah, Decore. Um, just because I think he he again had all the all the right characteristics. Would he have kicked on? <laughs> Debatable. Um, like size put in in the chat, like Torreira, and there was a period where we looked at Torreira and went, "We've got one," but he just. Actually, he I, I still, I still, it's a shame you didn't settle because I still quite rate Torreira. I think Torreira is yeah, a yeah. decent footballer. He's a good player. He's not even getting He's... games at Atletico. He didn't play uh, against Real Madrid at the weekend. He maybe comes on. I think the best he's had is come on at half time. He usually gets the last fifteen twenty minutes. They don't want him. They um, they don't rate him. Hmm. I mean, well, he, 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 he seems to drops off a cliff, doesn't he? Yeah, mm. Atletico Madrid are top of top of La Liga. They're, they're no mugs. I mean, he's not just going to walk into that team. I mean, you know, they've got they've got good players in midfield. It's just it's just it, it didn't work for us. I think he'll end up in Italy again. That's where he you know that's where he played his best football, mm. and that's probably where he'll go back in the summer. But and 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 Italy's probably again. If you're looking for a defensive, disciplined holding midfielder, maybe Italy is your market because there's Jesus, plenty of man, What is going on outside your house? <laughs> it's truly is all going on here. He's taken over from Steve because Steve in Poland, when uh, he used to live right near the fire station, and he used to go to bloody poles having indoor barbecues again. All the time we hear the fire engines going off, so I think Steve's had to take up that mantle. I think we've yabbered on about this long enough, haven't we? Anyone got any? F- um, so, are we? Uh, can we all see? Jacket at the club next season. Start with Chris Josh, then James. Can I see him at the club next season? Yeah. Um. <laughs> yes, I can because Arteta really rates him. If you're asking me, do I want to see him at the club next season? The answer is a massive firm no. I haven't wanted him at the club for the last whatever it is seven years we've had him. So, <laughs> no, Josh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I would say. It's similar to Chris as well. Is I expect him to be here next season. But what I also expect us to do is get an upgrade above him. Whether or not he then chooses to stay when his yes. minutes are then lower is the different, the other matter. Obviously, in a, the wide world of us playing little fo- football manager, uh, especially as now it's come to the Xbox Game Pass, I can get it for free. I'm getting rid of players left, right and centre and not really thinking about the consequences of trying to get someone in to replace them. And I think there's plenty in our midfield that I try and get rid of immediately, but there's something like, you know, uh, Sabios, that's a player that we need to, I wouldn't bring in. I wouldn't continue to have. And the same with Xhaka. Then you've got the question of what's going on with El Nenny. And we're so lightweight in that uh, place at the moment that I think that's another problem that we just need to look at in general, that we're going to have some growing pains in our midfield because we're not going to be able to change our midfield overnight. Mr. Stokes? Um, pretty much agree with what Josh said. Um, I no, can't say I, that. He gets no, important if you say things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I can, see, I can see him. I think he'll be there next season. I think if they've got any you know, desire to improve, they will, as Josh said, bring someone in who starts up in a pecking order higher than Xhaka. Be interesting because I think we'll lose Sabios. I don't think they'll make that permanent. I wouldn't be surprised if we lose um, uh, Maitland Niles and Willock as well. So we've got to bring someone in. But- De- De- Debbie's had enough, James. Fuck, 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 Shaka. 
when will it end? Can we get a midfielder who can actually run it? I mean, he's not a fucking like just a corpse with no arms and legs that sort of listlessly <laughs> floats around. <laughs> um, the only exciting thing about Xhaka would be when he'd have a shot from the halfway line two or three times a game. Even that has been taken out of his game. He, you know why? It's because quite... there's no fans for us to shout shoot at him. <laughs> <laughs> now they just shout shoot him. You know what's going to happen? He's going to have a couple of absolute storming games now, like he usually does. After he's done something fucking moronic, then he's good for a couple of games. It's almost like he just builds up and he builds up and he builds up and then he does something fucking stupid. It'll go right down if he was a If he was a squad player, I don't think any of us would have too much of an issue. It's the fact that no. he seems to be key to our central midfield, which is very worrying. And let's not forget as well, the fully robust um injury free Atletico Madrid Thomas Party has joined Arsenal and is now basically a walking stretcher. So, you know, we can fully expect him to be out for several months again when he ruptures his eyeball socket falling over the turf at White Hart Lane or something, you know. Just, you, know what I mean? you would like you would like to think there's people at the club who look at the situation and you think, right, on our short list of things we want to do in the summer, we've got upgrade on central midfield as number one. You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd also yeah. like to think that they've got a lot of other business to do as well. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. New goalkeeper, new defender, new new left back, new striker. Probably. probably new new left. Left. That's what um, we do, new left back, don't we? Yeah. Right. Let's um, now we've done that to death. We spent 37 minutes talking about something we don't want to talk about, which is pretty good for us. Josh, VAR, what was the gist of what you and John said at the weekend? Uh, I heard you talking about it a little bit and uh, you were kind of lost the will to live with uh, with just how shit it is and the handball and go on. I can't even remember what I said. Did I say they were all corrupt or was that the last show that I said? I think you said every week corrupt. and I think you're right okay. every week. Okay. Uh, well, they're still corrupt. That's not changed. And... I just can't wait for us to go back and play Europa League games because there it's done properly. You don't even notice it. It's just been gone. That's it. Decisions are made so quickly. You don't even notice them. And that continually kind of shouts the thing that the technology, the system, that's not the problem. Everybody in their dog knew that that was a handball when we saw it, but not given. And there's just got to be something else in there. And slowly I'm peeling back the layers of tinfoil on my hat and it's just becoming a normal one because this just seems to be the case that I don't understand how that decision has just not gone our way. And I know we can go, oh, we shouldn't need these decisions to you know, get us past Burnley. But you know what? It would be a darn sight easier if we did get them because this isn't just a, something, oh, we were robbed, it was a 50-50 call. This was a blatant error of judgment and it's cost us, I know a penalty isn't necessarily a guaranteed goal, but it's close as much to it with the players that we've got on the field. You know, Aubameyang takes a great penalty, Lacazette, the chief penalty taker for Leon, Pepe, chief penalty taker for Lille, We've got guys that can take a good penalty. So we could have won that game if the decision went our way. And I think that's the thing that annoys us uh, and annoys me anyway. And just the dehumanizing 
a VAR across the kind of media, it's just what makes it even more infuriating. It's going, oh, it's the robot's fault. And you're like, well, what? This doesn't, no, VAR is a person. Call out that referee. Call out the person that's making that decision and make sure that they're held to account. Otherwise, they're just going to have a problem like, oh, they picked up an injury and uh, now they can't play this game, even though they were absolutely fine at the time. Um, naming no names, John Moss. Uh, but I don't know what everybody else's thoughts are because I, I think it's like I get my own 10-minute segment every podcast just to moan about it. And to be honest, I'm kind of bored. I might just put a tape recorder on next time and just go for a piss. Um. <laughs> Chris, go on. Bit on VAR. What can, is there anything we can do about it? Or we just have to put out of it because someone had a really good analogy the other day that I agreed with. That now I've completely forgot. But when they score, you don't celebrate. You just look at it and go, "Well, is that going to be ruled off any time in the next three or four minutes? That could be ruled no longer a goal." And then you think, "Well, for me, it's killing football." Is, would scrapping it sort it out, or, or can they adjust it? Well, no, because, uh, I mean, I would never have brought it in full stop for the record. I was always, I mean, I know we're a bit old school, Danny, but, um, yeah, of course you get angry when something goes against you. But do you know what? I actually prefer the days where something went against us because the referee was just shit and you could stand in a pub or, you know, chat on podcasts or whatever and say, oh, we were done there. And then you get one that goes in off of Aubameyang's arse the next week and you go, oh, we, we got one back there. And, you know, the old analogy of, well, it, you know, it evens itself out over the season. Let's not get it twisted. That That's bullshit. That is, that, you know, that, that's just factually incorrect. But in your mind, it kind of does marry up because eventually when you look back at the season, you do kind of go, well, we kind of got one there. We kind of got... When you're seeing decisions like the Fulham-Tottenham game, for example, where, you know, Fulham are denied a, 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 a just a legitimate goal with the most idiotic decision you've ever seen. And yet what happens in our game, which it's like Josh said, there's not even a debate for me. The first one, fine. I can sort of see how, you know, I still think he's making himself bigger, but I can sort of see how you would, how that would go. The second one is just so blatant. And like many other podcasts have said this week and, and, you know, pundits with uh, brains. So that excludes Jamie Redknapp. Um, have said this week, how did it not even get looked at by VAR? Or how was the suggestion not made to the referee to go and look at it? You know, it's not just that the referee has made a mistake and ruled it out. It's the fact that someone else who's actually watching the same pictures that we're watching, we get the same replays that they get, is looking at that and going, nah, it's fine. That's the problem. It's not, It's like Josh said, it's not, it's not the system. It's the implementation of the system. My God, Porto just called it Juve. That's a turn up. Um, you know that that's that's the that's the issue here. You know, it, it's the people that are doing it. Our referees are, are not good enough. They haven't been good enough since the days of Danny. Will remember the name David Ellery. You know, we haven't had good referees. Do you remember Uriah Rennie as well? The the kickboxing nah. model. You wouldn't muck around with him. No, you wouldn't. But um, you know, our referees are not good and. I'm a firm believer that we should be getting referees in from from uh, from abroad. Uh, I think we should have you know more more referees from from lower leagues promoted, not just. When you know, I was doing the writing my preview show, Olympiacos lost one game this season in the league. The referee was Scottish. Well, yeah, because other countries. Oh, are, I didn't know they not. did that. 
Yeah, there's there's the referees that go abroad. There's I think in the Maltese Premier, there's two referees from different countries. I mean, it's just it's one of those things that we're just so far behind the power curve, and and we we just don't adapt our game. And it's not to say that refereeing is perfect in other countries. It's not. There are awful decisions given all around the world. But like Josh said, watch the Europa League, watch the Champions League. You know, the decision is made, bang, it's done. The the goal uh, was last night. Leeds has goal. Very, very fractional decision, but he was offside, you know, and it was done fairly quickly. So why is it they can do it sometimes, but not others, you know? And you can't refer every decision, of course you can't. But when it's that obvious, you know, it, it, and, and just to I'll wrap up on this, like Josh said, it shouldn't have been relevant because we should have been 3-0 up at halftime. The game should have been done. Just like Wolves, we should have been 3-0 out the gate before David Luiz did what David Luiz does. But that doesn't change the fact that in at that period of the game, if we score that penalty, we win the game. That's it. End of story. You know, and, and if we have a penalty like that given against us, we probably lose the game. You know, so I, it's just and how many offside calls have we had? You know, what do you reckon, Stokes? What do you reckon? Um, the way I look at it is, again, I'm going to agree with Josh because that's my trend for today is agreeing with what Josh says. But he's absolutely right. The system is good. The system makes sense. The system and its implementation is the problem. It's like any technology. People like to say the technology is the fault, but it's not. It's the people using it, and they've got just a selection of the dumbest motherfuckers on earth to actually look at the reviewed footage. I mean, how they, how you look at that decision and you look at the David Luiz penalty and how, how in the name of all that is holy, they've come to those conclusions that it's, it's, it's a red card and a sending off and it's not a penalty from looking at those images. Anybody with any semblance of intelligence would look at that handball and think it's deliberate, it's a penalty. It physically can't be anything else. It's just baffling. It's just maddening. You, you, you look at these decisions and you think, yeah, we can't really sit there and point fingers at conspiracy theories and referees and corruption and not take any accountability of ourselves as a team because we should have won the game and there's no um, getting away from that. But you have to, there's something has to be done. Those decisions are as bad as decisions as I've ever seen. And it's not coming to the point where it's just, you know, random coincidence and it happens once a blue moon. It's happening on a regular basis and not just to Arsenal. The Fulham example is a pretty, it's just... This system was supposed to come in and, uh, you know, sort of do away with terrible decisions. And it's arguably making worse ones. But, I, mean, yeah, you, I think it's just highlighting the incompetence or like doubling the incompetence of the match day officials because they're getting a second look at it and still fucking it up. It's just, you look at it and you think, really? You're going to come with that decision? You're a fully paid, supposedly competent referee with X amount of experience. You've made the kind of decision that a fucking two-year-old randomly hitting keys would come up with. Um, did anybody see Arsene Wenger's um, plans or ideas for how you change offside? Because uh, I saw on Sky Sports News, they tweeted it because I don't watch telly anymore. They said that um, they, someone is, is, is trying it out. Now, I know before when they were trying out new rules, they try them at non-league level football or, or amateur football. Has anyone seen the idea that Wenger had? Uh, it's just uh, the daylight they, rule, isn't daylight, it? Daylight, yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's um, being trialled in the Chinese fourth division. Yeah. Oh, Chris knows about that, Chris. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's kind of pirate level. <laughs> but, but you have to you have to start somewhere, don't you? I mean, 
Not with China, yeah. you don't. Two of their, they're, you know, the last, last year's champions of China folded. It doesn't this surprise company me. who owned Inter Milan, they folded. They got rid of all their players and said, we can't carry on. We're going to concentrate on what we're good at, uh, making stuff. And then another one of the Chinese Premier League teams, or um, whatever the name of their league is, they folded. And for the new season, the Chinese FA have said, all you teams that are now, that were named after companies, you have to take that company in the end. like TNT was a total network solutions in Wales, name of the team. Yeah, yeah. They bought uh, they, uh, all that has changed in China. So nearly all the top league teams in China have all had to change their names. It's like, the reason like, why uh, Marek Hamsik is now playing in Sweden, of all places. A Swede messaged me about that and they said, "Go." It was it's a, a, a massive, huge signing for them, but he because he needs AIK, to play football, so he. Yeah, so he's had his contract nulled by Dillian Falyang or whatever it was. He's, he's a Gothenburg, them. not IIK. That's right. Sorry, well, that's yeah, what it was. Yeah. What is I, I, IIK? No, AIK is Solna. Fuck them losers. You've just released <laughs> the most sexy kit ever known to man, by the way. Look it up. But yeah. Black and yellow, isn't it? Yeah, uh, well, black and gold, yeah. But um, but no, yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the idea. I think Arsene was... I mean, the thing is, whether you, whether you loved him or you... You didn't love him. You you ha- you know that Arsene Wenger loves football, and you know that any any idea he has is for the, the good of the game, and for and you know it's going to be all about more goals being scored than defensive actions. So you know that's what football's I'm, about. Football is about goals. Yeah, exactly. I, you like years ago they changed. I mean, someone put in the chat that you know things are not working when they change the rules to offside halfway through the season. They yeah. did that a couple of years ago. We started off the season with everything was a penalty, and I mean, oh no, there's been 500 penalties in the first six months of the season. We're changing, but, but that's a great Goals. point. That's what we, we want. We, we're watching, and Josh knows how I feel about this tag. We're apparently watching the best league in the world at the moment in the Premier League, the best league in the world that changed the handball rule mid-season. Best league in the world. That's the equivalent to, like, uh, you know, a high-rise em- Apple employee walking into Apple on Monday morning and going, "Fuck it, lads, let's make Microsoft." Like, what? You know, <laughs> you're not going to start. You're not going to start going to tell me French league is the best league in the world, are you? I was going to say, didn't that. they? Didn't they change their handball rule a couple of years ago I, mid-season I, I, because not, of all the penalties I, that were given? I'm not saying on. the French league is the best league <laughs> okay. in the world. It's okay. the most enjoyable, and it's the only it's the only top five <laughs> league in Europe that actually has a title race. But I digress. But um, but no. But all I'm saying is the Premier League markets market mm. itself markets <laughs> itself. Say that when you piss. Um, as the best league in the world, and yet we've had to change the handball rule halfway through a season, and and now we're all debating the offside rule again. Like what? I mean, yeah. I mean, did 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 we ask yourself this? Did we moan about decisions, and not just Arsenal fans, I mean football fans in general, has there been more, was there more debate in the VAR era or was there more debate, you know, with the hostility and the upset and the, the pissed, pissed off element when we just debated it in the pub when he was offside and then our, our mate goes, no, he bloody wasn't. And ball, no, it wasn't. Just for I mean? the sake of being controversial, I reckon it's the fifth, by the way. Do you reckon... The French league, yeah, the fifth best in the world. Well, you know, that's the reason that you only come on here once a year. (laughs) 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 But no, you you, you know, all the leagues have got their faults. But I just think for a league that markets itself as the best around, you know, you you can't change a league halfway through. I mean, this is also the same league that, that Aston Villa 
stayed up uh, off the basis of, a, of, of, of our technology not working. And that same team, Sheffield United, who, who were sinned against, if you like, are now going to be in the championship next year. And that's just been casually blown under the carpet. To the, to the immense credit of Chris Wilder, by the way, who's never once moaned, you know, he's never once gone back to that and said, actually, this fucking league is corrupt, because I would be right now, I'll tell you that for nothing. It's not like Sheffield United to poke uh, <laughs> corruption allegations at the Premier yeah. League if uh, relegation's on the line. Never seen no. that before. Uh, <laughs> Point on a podcast, I don't know which one it was, I listened to quite a few, and they said uh, Arteta didn't even argue with the FA. You should come out after the game and go, VAR isn't working, the FAs aren't doing it properly, the referees aren't doing their job, get the fine, and then when you get the fine, you say, we're doubling the fine, and we're giving it to Guide Dog Charity, or, or Charity for the Blind, and I don't know what, it might have been the Tuesday Club, it might have been Mike and Andy, I don't know which it was, but that'd be brilliant. Just do it, do it all the time because something needs to be done about it. But, uh, oh, Chris, are other um, leagues in the world having these problems? Not, 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 I mean, we see it probably more because we're in this country. So, you know, we, the coverage is more pronounced here. I don't know. I mean, again, I can only sort of speak for Liga because it's what I watch the most of. There's a, there's been a few incidents over there that there was a very controversial call in the Leon game a few weeks ago that, Leon fans have all got very upset about. Who'd Can I just it? say one thing? How apt is it that Leon have got a player called Uar who plays in the Farmers League? It's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, I know. You've got to love that. You've got to love that. Um, but yeah, I, mean, um, I saw another terrible decision. Well. The ball was in, I think it was in the German League. The ball was about to go out and there's a bloke warming up behind the goal to the right of the goal. And just as it was about to go out, he stopped it and, put, and he got sent off for it. Yeah, that was last season. Oh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. It's the same league that they had the ghost goal and they had to replay in the Leverkusen game, wasn't it? But and there was the other one in Germany where they made them come out during half time to come out and take a penalty. Yeah, yeah, but we, we uh, and they got we the right had, decision. Yeah, and we also had the yeah. Brighton game where Brighton Man U full time whistle was gone. Yeah. The players walked in and oh no, sorry, oh yeah. um, no, a load of um, hedge funds had money on Bruno Fernandez scoring a penalty. <laughs> Um, yeah, back, you go, guys. Guys. back, you back go, we go. Guys. Back we go. Penalty, ninetieth minute. Yeah, and so we... they he found the whistle to end the game, Josh, and then yeah. called, and they were going. That was last what season. Was this? The game, last the game season. was over last season. Bookmakers right paid City. out on a draw, hadn't they? Yeah, and then they and then all then they went like, back no. for a penalty. Yeah, no, they, they, they were all they were all shaking hands. They were all sort of walking off. Well, not shaking hands because everyone was pissed off, but the game was done. All the players, like all the stewards, were on and. <laughs> You know, it was like end of the game, and then they all went, "Oh, yeah. actually, clear off. We're going to take a penalty." Yeah, groundskeeper Williams just, in the middle with his uh, you, with his rake raking out all the leaves off the thing. All you want, the goes off. All you want is the the word we're looking for. Yeah, I guess we could draw a line under it here. Really, we're just looking for consistency. You know, at least at the start of the season, every single thing was a handball. It was ridiculous, like it was genuinely ridiculous. But at least you knew everything was handball. There was no if, buts or maybes. Like, I think La Liga had a rule a few years ago where if the ball struck your arm in the penalty area, it was handball. It didn't matter whether you moved your arm to it, whether you put your arm up, it didn't matter. If the ball struck your arm, that was it. And they realised that was a bit silly because players like Messi and, you know, had the gift that he had, just dinged it into people's arms, pen. And until the human race evolves and you can retract your arms like Inspector Gadget, that's yeah. never going to work. But, you, but there's a difference between, um, listeners won't really get this, but there's a difference between standing like that and there's a difference between 
leaning like that, you know, and making yourself in a position to stop a, a shot is a big difference. And what, who is it? Who was the guy who put his hand out? I forget who it was. Um, Peters, wasn't it? Peters. Because it's the same yeah, who, guy that then shouldered it off the line. Off the, the line, season. yeah. And don't forget, he's ex-Stokes ex, um, scum, so he's got previous. But, you know, he clearly has his arm like that and he lifts his arm up and it stops the path of the ball. I mean, you know, just that's all you want, consistency from pe- from from people and from referees to, you know, I'm not saying they should be interviewed like everybody else thinks, but take some responsibility. You know, come out after a game and say, I, I've made a mistake there. You know, but they're all, they're all, they're all protect, they're an endangered species, aren't they? Are we going to protect our refs? <laughs> oh, God, you know, like... What do you think about this bullshit about applauding them onto the field? That's, oh, that's <laughs> good luck. Just ask Josh, ask Josh for his thoughts on that. Oh, I can imagine. You know, I, Mike I can't, is, I nearly got struck off happened, last time I said that, what I thought about that. What, what happened to Mike Dean is unacceptable in terms of the abuse. But Oh, yeah, act, that's just... Hmm. But when you act like Mike Dean does, you've got to expect hmm. to take a bit, do you know what I mean? Not not abuse, but you've got to expect to take a bit in terms of, you know, banter back and forth from players. Never happen. It's like in Highbury when one of the last games there, and we were playing Spurs, and we were doing Sol Campbell's won the double, and the tunnel. I said, "Could you please stop singing that?" So everybody sang it twice as loud and twice as long. Fucking idiot. Who do they think we are? Sheep. Um, Josh, I've sent you a list of all the questions via Twitter DM because I can't be bothered to paste them all in our chat one by one because the morons who run StreamYard sold it for 250 million quid and if you t- um, cut and paste stuff in there, it just takes that. No, there's no word wrap in there. It adds it all as one long line of text. That's worth 180 quid a year. You fucking morons. <laughs> right, Mr. Stokes, um, did Hello. you hear about the finances and or do you care? Uh, I didn't and I don't. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, does anybody here care? Anybody in the chat care? Any of my cats care? No? Well, we lost 13 million two seasons ago. We lost 51 million this this last financial year. Well, I'll start with you, James. How much do you reckon we'll have lost this time next year? What do you reckon the number's going to come out? And uh, you, win, you win a, a potato if you hit it right. Uh, just run those numbers by me again. The, uh, the steady decrease of... The last um, financial year, 2020, we lost 51 million. The year before that, it was 13 million we lost. Oh, according to, should um, um, say that it was Swiss Ramble on Twitter who did all of this lot. So go and have a look at what Swiss Ramble did. He has done a magnificent set of about five or six tweets and ex- breaking it all down and putting it in all nice and organized charts. Yes. So you want me to project how much we're going to have lost throughout this season? Yeah. And we'll come back to you this time next year. Um, well, you consider there's no fans in the ground for an entire season. It's got to be more. So I'm going to say 83.5. Oh, the hot FM for all your contemporary jazz. Um, <laughs> Josh, what do you think? Uh, I would go, it's probably the same, to be honest, because although we don't have fans in, I remember certain clubs when they were saying bringing back the small amount of fans in, they were making a loss on running those games. So I've, it's probably just 50 million again, um, especially with how the things like transfers are um, accounted for. Like Thomas Partey doesn't come off the book as 50 million pounds straight away, even though that's how we paid it. This last financial year, there was a hundred, where's five few in your medium? There's 100 and something million of amortization. I think that's the first time I've ever said that. Right. A round of applause, please. Thank you very much. You can add it in post. Uh, uh, hey. 
Chris, uh, have you got an idea? Uh, sorry, remind me of the question. I was reading the questions. <laughs> Just pick a number between between one and five hundred. Seven seven thousand four hundred ninety six point three. Excellent, because that is a number between one and five hundred. That shows how much attention you are giving us. Right, and um, before we you go, don't to think the... I did that deliberately by any chance there? No, maybe. No, Sense of irony? we wouldn't do such a thing. Um, something <laughs> I added to our list because uh, it's been a bit of controversy this week. Start again with you, Mister Stokes. What do you think of Ian Wright and his shambles of a display on match of the day, taking the oh. piss out of Lacazette going over? And they, if anybody hasn't seen it, on match of the day in the UK, you've got Gary Lineker is the host on there, um, Spurs and England darling, and he is a, he's, a, he's an absolute arsehole, and most people fucking hate him. And you had him on there, Ian Wright on there, and there was another player, I didn't see who it was, another person because... Probably Alan Shearer. I don't know. Um, and then at the end of the game, they went, oh, let's do a Lacazette. And they all rolled. And those two fell off their chairs onto the floor screaming. And then right, he just stood, sat in his chair going, oh, went along with it because apparently at the end of the game, Lacazette hurt himself and screamed, like most people would do when you hurt yourself. So what did you think about Ian Wright's uh, actions, James? Um, I love the guy. I don't agree with you. Don't make fun of your own like that, especially when he's seen. You know, you see the videos where he seems like he's quite pally with Nakasat and Obama Yang. I think the underlying thing that aggravated me about that is would they be doing that for Harry Kane? And Harry Kane is by some distance the worst practitioner of fucking simulation in the Premier League, perhaps tied joint with, with Salah. The two of them. Unbelievably bad. Lacassette, maybe he dies now and then, but by comparison, he's not even in their league. Not when it comes to that kind of play acting horse shit. And what irritated me, would they have done it for Harry Kane? No, they wouldn't. Would Lineker have done it for Harry Kane? Not in a million years. I think it's just it's just some cheap, contrived bullshit from people who should know better. And as much as I love Ian, right, and I do, and I wouldn't hear a bad word against the man. I think he's um He's just one of those brilliantly positive people, and I love him. And I, I don't agree with what he did. Don't you don't do that to your own. So that's the third time Ian Wright has now annoyed the Arsenal fan base. The the, the last one is when he did a picture of Ashley Cole holding the, the Champions League trophy and said he was right to leave. He actually blocked me on Twitter for that. But then something happened, and I got unblocked. I don't know how that happened. And another thing that happened, Josh, is uh, there was an interview this week that I saw that Brad, uh, Sean Wright Phillips said he wanted to sign for Arsenal, and his dad and Wenger wanted to sign him in the, the uh, in the summer. And uh, Chelsea wanted to sign him now in the January transfer window, and his dad told him to go and sign for Chelsea. So I think there's some people that may have it out for Ian Wright. What's your thoughts? If I remember rightly with that story, they really needed the money, Man City, and they needed to sell Sean Wright Phillips to get through like to the end of the season. And I think it was more down to that rather than Ian Wright telling people, I think there's something lost there in that story. And it's not like uh, Arsenal fans to occasionally twist things to make us look like victims. Um in that regard. And I'm fairly positive that there was some serious issues that Man City needed to sell. And I think that's, you kind of take that slightly differently. Um, and yeah, maybe we did want Sean Wright Phillips to come to us, but I almost ask why he wasn't in our academy to start with. And why even yes, got to the point that he was at Man City. Didn't he start at Nottingham Forest? I think he might have I, done. He might have started because right, he was uh, obviously up in that neck of the woods then at that point hmm. towards Burnley, which is probably why he was at Man City, if 
Right, he was at Burnley. I don't imagine he lived in Burnley. No, he only went there because um, his mate was a man- manager and ended his career there, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Chris, what's your thoughts on it? I mean, it'll um, blow over and everyone will love him again, yeah. but... Yeah, uh, nice. t- two two thoughts come to mind on this, really. I think Stokes is right. It, you know, it, it's, it's not great to take the piss out of one of your own. But what I would say to that is people need to remember that Ian Wright is no longer an employee of Arsenal Football Club. He's no longer a player of Arsenal Football Club. He's employed by BBC and, and the media. He is a media personality now. I'm sure he still loves Arsenal. Don't question that whatsoever. But he's got a job to do, you know, no offence. And this might shock some people. If Tottenham Hotspur ring me tomorrow and say, we'd like you to take over our social media channel and pay you 70 grand a year, I'm taking the job. And I'm going to act like the biggest Spurs fan you've ever seen. Because it's it's a living and it's a livelihood. And that's what it is to him, right? You know, he's a family man. And, you know, sometimes he's going to do some things that might upset a few Arsenal fans. Just like Jamie Carragher might say something that upsets him. Liverpool fans or Gary Neville might say something that's Man United fans. You can under, but my point is, you can understand he's more in his right to be to criticise the way the team plays, the way the teams run. Why does he do? As a pundit, more than fair for him to criticise them, but to make fun of one of our players, he doesn't yeah, have to do that. It's not in great taste, is it? And 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 that's that's what I would say about. Match of the day. I have. I can't. I genuinely can't remember the last time I watched Match of the Day. Mainly because I've kind of fallen out of love with English football in in the last twelve months or so. But um, yeah, Gary Lineker is a very good, actually, a very good presenter. To to be fair to him, but I do sometimes wonder if he's sort of almost trying to James Richardson it up a bit too much. I think he's sort of trying to be a bit funnier than he really is. You know, he was a very vanilla footballer, and he's you know he's very good at presenting, but. He doesn't scream charisma to me, and I wonder if it's a little bit of a playing up to the cameras. The only thing I would say is it was a bit embarrassing from Lacquer. You know, I love him to bits, as you know, a bit embarrassing. Um, but how do we know how how you know cold day in Burnley and all that? It might well have hurt. I think the well, biggest problem, made the, the point when Martinelli went hurt himself during the training well, yeah, during exactly. the warm up. He screamed exactly the same way. Yeah, but but the bigger problem is the bigger problem is. If you don't go over like you've been shot now, you don't get a foul. Especially for so, so, so do you blame Lacazette? You know, as Stokes said, you know, unless you're Salah and you throw yourself to the floor or you're Bruno Fernandes and you just roll around and then look fucking innocent and like butter wouldn't melt, melt between your massive front teeth. I know I want to talk. Um, <laughs> you know, like sometimes you have to do what you have to do to get a decision. And if Laka wins that free kick, which William hoofs to the back post and Xhaka puts it in with his left testicle, we're not going to complain, are we? Do you know what I mean? So, Laka's having to slightly change his game now, isn't he? Because he's getting on a bit and yeah. he can't just rely on being... Not that he ever rely, really relied on his pace, did he? He was a, he no. was a very similar player to the way Ian Wright used to be, just always there ready to put stuff in. And yeah. is, is Laka going to be here next season, do you think? No, no. I don't think he will. Uh, I hope he is, because I think, I think we're absolutely yeah. mental to sell him without a replacement lined up, which is which is so Arsenal, isn't it? I think if, if you if someone offers us twenty anything anything mm. yeah anything twenty twenty five yeah even fifteen when you think consider he's only got fifty he's only got twelve months on his contract I think if someone offers that they'll let him go yeah but I'll, no, I'll, have, this bet. I'll have this bet with you mm. Josh with you Stokes with you Danny I'll have this bet right now. If we do sell him, he will go before we've signed a replacement. I oh, I, 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 I wouldn't bet against that. Mm. Unless uh, Celtic need the money 
desperately to keep the lights on. Red one. Yeah. That's so the then thing. If, but then if they if they mm. go through the revolution and you know because they've lost the title to Rangers, there's talk of mm. huge changes at Celtic. You know, Odd might want to mm. be part of that. So you know, mm. it, it's, this is the same principle as the uh, Xhaka replacement question. Is that mm-hmm. I can't actually think of anyone that realistically we could get that would be an upgrade off the top of my head anyway. Who's available? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We've got nobody coming through because Balogun is off. Eddie has shown Eddie's completely. I think not he'll playing. go as well. Yeah. I'd be but surprised if he's here next season. As soon as they gave him the public backing, he was gone. Like it's just yeah. so obvious, wasn't it? Like as soon as the manager does that and starts defending a player in the media, he's gone. Yeah. And, and and let's not also forget that do you remember that kind of sweet ML Smith throw interview where he said Lacazette was brilliant with the young players? That's yeah. that's for me is a massive thing because if you're if you're looking to rebuild your your club around youth you need good influences in the dressing room you need good strong characters you know I don't, and, don't get me wrong i wouldn't be averse to them giving him say an extra year yeah i wouldn't give him a huge contract because then we're back in the same as william aren't we we're, we're back yeah, in. You don't, we don't want to be going that route not down no. the um thank you for that ellis mel i saw that much appreciated <laughs> <laughs> yeah you give uh, him another give him another 12 or 18 months or, or you give him a year plus one don't you, you know, yeah you've got I mean, a year and then we'll come back in a year and discuss it again but uh, like i said I, um, you know the ins and outs of european football far more greater than i do can you think of someone who you would want to come in and do because i think personally you look at enketia you look at lacazette and you, even martinelli physically and attribute wise are not dissimilar from one another and i think we need somebody different yeah i agree we need we need a what what we need is is the 2021 version of Eduardo. That's what we need. Yeah, a, a player, you know, a penalty box. Um, you know, oh, it, 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 do you not think? And do we need someone who's good in the air, a bit of a physical presence? I don't know. Someone sort of vaguely French, nice beard. Place. Uh, I don't want to. I mean, <laughs> I think <laughs> I know Giroud is one of those players where you know that it's. Now he's doing it somewhere else. Everyone sort of forgets that as he had his good moments, but he had his bad moments as well. And I mean, you'd want someone with those physical attributes, but someone who's of a a lot quicker. B. Then again, you're looking at you look at all well, players got all those attributes. You're looking at seventy, eighty million to get them, aren't you? The, the problem is, if you want a player like that, he's just scored tonight for Borussia Dortmund. You're talking Erling Haaland, physicality yeah. with pace and power, and that's going to cost you 150 million quid. Oh, we're never getting someone like that. But exactly, that's that's hmm. that's the yeah. But but you're right. You want a you want a physical striker. But then, do, no, then not, I'm not saying we need one. I'm just saying that take. You look across the board, take Aubameyang out of the equation, look at the three strikers that we would put in that central role, potentially, in Ketia, Martinelli, and Lacassette. They're all very similar. We don't have yeah. someone to mix it up. I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't think if we, let's say, hypothetically, to use Giroud as an example, if we had that player to come in and play as a centre forward, it just gives us a different dynamic in certain games, doesn't it? I think we need that. Yeah, and the problem because, you've got is you're trying to buy a player... It's the Harry Kane at Spurs situation where you're trying to sign a player. Um, Lacazette loves Aubameyang, they're best mates, and he gets enough game time. Try selling the idea to a top-class striker that they're yeah. coming in back up to Aubameyang. They're not going to get they're just so, so then you've immediately halved your market, and then you really are looking at, like you say, younger players, 
that's why I think Odward would be an excellent signing because you know I've not seen enough of him, but I mean he sounds decent from what people say. I've never yeah, really watched him. He he's. Uh, he, he's he's no Sunogo, let's say that much. Like he, he's got a bit about him. I think he would take a year to settle, which is why I would give Lacazette, Lacazette to be a year. Because to, to his credit, Lacazette, I mean, he's had his detractors, but you can't fault his effort. You can't mm-hmm. fault his application and you can't fault his product this season. When you, If you're taking the goals and assists have been... Nothing earth-shattering, but they've been respectable. They've been decent. And he's obviously a good example on the other players. I just yeah. think when he's in the team, he does sort of... Like, like Giroud, but not to that extent. He's a very good enabler. So uh, other people play well on account of him being there. He does a lot of unseen good work that helps the team. And ask yourself this. Has he, has he done any worse than Roberto Firmino at Liverpool? <sighs> but nobody talks about him being... Oh, I, I know a couple of Liverpool fans that think he's he's finished and done. Yeah, well, I mean, fair enough if that's the case. But yeah, has he done any less than Anthony Martial, who still build as this superstar? You know, the new Mbappe. In oh, I, don't, I don't get that. He's but, fuck. He's fucking useless. Martial is. Why? What? They've got. <laughs> you'd have to have rocks in your head and shit in your eyes to play him over Cavani and Rashford. <laughs> yeah, I agree. What do you reckon, Josh? Well, yeah, it's just that problem of, as you say, we're not shopping in that kind of elite level. We're not no. the we're not targeting getting Haaland out of Dortmund. We're kind of targeting getting Haaland out of Salzburg. That's the kind yeah. of market we're in now. Is we're we can get those kind of level strikers, but we've got to get them before they're you know established. So that's where we're looking at kind of an Oard as a certain player there or. Uh, probably not a Memphis Depay, but someone who's either cheap and at a big side, you know, coming towards the end of their career, or someone who's on the up and you're gambling that they're going to be the next break. And I think that's why we're certainly at the level now where no one can really name which player we should bring in. Because of the market that we're in now, it is very much about being quite smart. And fortunately, you know, we're a billion-dollar business with a huge scouting network and they'll be able to find the right people because I kind of trust, I hate to use the the kind of cliche of we trust the process, but this process currently hasn't done anything for me to say it's not working. Like immediately it's not shit the bed straight away. You missed the market by the way. Um, Can I ask you guys guys a hypothetical question? And somebody put it to me, I was speaking to the other day. I'm genuinely curious of what your answer is to me. If, take this season as it's progressed, each game for game, performance-wise goals, keep it exactly the same. Uh, do you think your opinion of the manager would be different if it was Unai Emery that had presided over it and not Arteta? Definitely. Well, shall I? <laughs> uh, do we have to use Unai? Because actually... If, if you if you really analyse it, you, Unai Emery was never a bad coach. He was just a bad fit. Oh, I, so that is exactly what I think. I, I don't think he's ever he's not a he's not he's not a bad manager. He just wasn't the right manager for Arsenal. He never was. Yeah, and he broke his back. Think, he folded under pressure, and he went yeah. away from the principles. And he folded. Well, as you can see, Arteta is sticking to his principles. But yeah, it's just I thought it was interesting because somebody said to me, and if you ask me right now, would I sack Arteta? 
on the, uh, on the basis of this season, I'd say no. But if you asked them on the same question, the same season, and it was Emery in charge, you'd probably say yes, wouldn't you? Yeah, and if you had fans in the ground, those fans would not put up with, well, not what I say put up with, there would be a lot more unrest at games based upon what we've been churning out this season. And I loved I, Miguel Arcetra as a player and a captain, but there's he, he's done he's done some very good things, but there's a lot of things he's swept very carefully under the rug that if he wasn't an ex-Arsenal captain, I don't think we would have given him as an, an easier ride. I, to be honest, I think we'd see it as Unai improving on last season. Looking at the performances that we're putting in, that's still an improvement under Emery. And it would be a case of some of us would... I think we'd have a different argument of in or out. Some people would say, see, look, he can do it. Like Chris would say, if we kind of, as you say, exactly like for like results, Chris would be there saying, you know, Unai is a good manager. Look, we're not conceding as many and we're getting fucked over in the goals department. Aubameyang's not scoring anymore. Why is that? And if I think he, we'd be won, less to push that. Sorry, if he won that Euro... No, sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. Hmm. If, if he won that Europa League final... We literally went over there, mm. you know, we, we whipped our shorts down, we opened our bums and went, please, just come fuck us, please. Like, we, we literally all lined up and just parted mm. our cheeks and, and let Chelsea fist us. But there's an image. But if we... There you go, boys that, and girls. If we'd have, there's the explicit tag for you. Mm. If we'd have won that Thanks. final, playing the way we did under Arteta to win the same efforts to win the FA Cup, which we all, me included, mm. celebrated, probably looking back, yeah, I'm not saying we should, should have under-celebrated it, but we all probably got a bit carried away, if we're completely honest, with that FA Cup win. If we and I had done the same thing, I don't think that the, the chorus would have been as strong as it was to get him out. And if he hadn't have been a figure of fun with the whole accent thing, I don't, I I don't, it's, I don't think it would have been. It's funny because it's perception, isn't it? You think, yeah. his first season, possible. his first full season in charge, statistically, is better than Arteta's. Yeah. And probably but, better organised until it all went a bit wonky. I mean, he, he was one, two games away from getting us in the Champions League. Yeah. Arteta won't get us anywhere near the Champions League. But it's funny how you look at it, but... I have more confidence in Arteta than I do in Emery. Mm. You've got to look I think at if oh, we sorry, no, no, I was going to say if we kept so if Emery gets us into the Champions League and we win that final, I think to be honest, the problems that we've got with the squad would still be there and would blow up bigger than it already yeah. that it did. That's the yeah. kind of problem I think we delay delay the inevitable, and we end a big up. Difference. But there's a big mm. difference to that. And I agree with you, but there's mm. a big difference to that. If Unai Emery takes this this Arsenal club now into the Champions League and fucks it up, he still gets fired. The difference is we're able to attract a better and more high-profile and experienced manager than Arteta because they see we're in the Champions League and are more equipped to come and more interested in, in managing us. We, I, we think get we still get, I think we still get uh, Arteta. No, I think that was always what KSC wanted, was they wanted oh, no, Arteta. I, I agree with you. We would have still gone for Arteta, mm. but I'm saying that if we had a had a spine and an actual proper backroom staff, we could have gone after an elite manager and said, well, OK, this hasn't quite worked out with Unai. Basically, what, what Man United could have done until they went for, for fraud. There's part two to the question or the discussion I was having. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you guys the same question. 
if it's a big if, if we're in the same position next season as we are in now, would you say, would you want him to stay? Uh, if we're in the same position uh, now and Arteta's still the manager, I'd seriously consider looking at him because uh, his position at the club because he would then get another set of backing from, I'm expecting from the summer, that again we back him well with players we want. We continue the clear out. We've already got rid of a lot of negative energy from the dressing room. We're setting it up for him to succeed as a platform. I think unless something else massive happens behind the scenes that completely blindsides Arteta and is the reason for our decline in form, then I can't see any other reason but to make a change at that point. It's interesting because, I, I, I mean, you have two sort of extreme opinions when you read through Twitter and there are people who back it religiously, <laughs> religiously and blindly, irrespective of what he does, and those who just, you know, just sort of, acerbic and churlish about it and they just sort of want to you know be detrimental and derogatory to every single conceivable thing he does and I don't much care for that kind of behavior but I think he's I don't think he's you know shielded from criticism I think you can't look at the positives without accepting that there is a good possibility that if we haven't shown improvement by this time next season then the process that we're supposed to trust might not be working and it might be the right thing to do to give that process to somebody else. He, he's got, in my opinion, he's got a massive three weeks ahead of him, it, not just as Arsenal manager now, but as Arsenal manager in the future. Because don't get, you're, don't, you're, yeah, don't get me wrong, I actually like him. I think he's a I know, good I, I, I do, yeah. There's a misconception, I think, from a lot of people that seem to think I, I hate the guy. I absolutely love him as a person and, and, and as a player, I loved him. As a manager, I've just got a lot of reservations and I think if we're sat here in three weeks' time going out of the Europa League to Olympiacos, let's let's not get it twisted. We limped past a terrible Benfica side. You know, mm. we, we two moments of inspiration got us through that that tie, which you know we could easily have bounced out of. If we if we're sat here in three weeks having lost to Olympiacos and being turned over by Spurs, which is very possible, I, there's going to be a lot of questions to answer. You know, and and it's all right saying that you you back the process, trust the process. Divian made a brilliant point in the chat. Unai Emery had Raul and a bunch of God knows who above him making decisions for him. Arteta hasn't had that. Arteta has had full control. And okay, yeah, he's Edu's man, so you get that. But if you're Edu, and and you're because they'll be making plans for the summer now. They'll have been making plans for the summer since January. If you're Edu now, and you're sat there. In three weeks, out of the champion, out of the Europa League, uh, out of both domestic cups, and have nothing to play for in in the league because we're not finishing fourth or, or anywhere near it. You, you know, you would be mad not to look at your own position and go, if I back this manager now, or I put full faith in this manager now, and we bring in the players we've got, if we start the season the same way next season, my ass is on the line. And you yeah. could argue that there's a very strong possibility we won't be in Europe next season. So, they, that's another point. Well, we'll be in the Europa Conference playing Dagenham and Redbridge. And, yeah, if you take that out of the equation, then you yeah. can't, we can't be intent this time next season. And that said, I, d- I don't think we've got any hope of winning the Europa League, by the way. I think we yeah, should. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you, people said the same thing when we were in the FA Cup and we had to get past Man City and Chelsea. I mean, yeah, as, a, as a cup team on our day, I think I 
fancies to beat any one of those teams left in the competition. We we could we're, shit house our way through it, couldn't we? I suppose it's it, like um, we were kind of saying about Granite Jacker and David Luiz, and you know, I had Sabios into it because of his role in the Benfica tie as well. But so long as on our day, no one has a massive fuck up. We can get mm. through a, a cup competition. The problem is that doesn't work in a league tie when every five games, one of your key players in the spine is either hacking a player down in the box or kicking a ball against the opponent's striker and leads them to an open goal. That doesn't mm. win you league titles, but it can sure as hell, you know, kind of get those mistakes out in the league. You can get you through a cup competition quite easily, especially one yeah. with the safety net of two legs as well. As long as you're organised the... and structured like we were we... against Man City and Chelsea, yeah. Or even thinking back under Emery, the Valencia tie yeah, yeah, as well. We had that all to play for in that final one. And this team does look like it can, on its day, turn up. It's one of our best performances under Emery, wasn't it? That, the away hmm. leg. Well, that's when yeah. he just decided no, we weren't. He just completely ditched structure and went. Oh, yeah. Can was I just say, I, yeah. after what I said earlier on about Anthony Martial, I absolutely guarantee you he dumps that competition in the next round. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it, it depends if if Latan wants to turn up for Milan, but mm. yeah, I, I I fully expect us to to go through against Olympiacos, but I did the two times we've gone out to them before, mm. so you know. But well, I, I, think, I do I, I do think we'll go. We'll, I think we'll get past Olympiacos, but. You have to look at the Spurs, the Man United, the Milans. You know, who would you, who would you say is the best team left in the competition? I can't think who's in it. Other than oh God, that, that would require me to look up who's still in the competition. <laughs> Give me a minute. Yeah, I think from the last time we played Olympiacos last season, and but we were close to going through as well because we had a chance right at the death. It was a Bamiyang, yeah. Bamiyang yeah. open goal, missed, put it wide. And I think not putting anything on the banning at that point, but just saying it was very fine margins. And I don't think yeah. this Olympiacos team has improved. Just say during what January, they got one of our centre backs in to shore up their defence. Tells you the kind of position can't. they're in at the moment. Who can't even play? I think I'm right in saying in this this game they did get Kenny Lala though, so that's that's wins. Um, Ajax young boys of, of Bern, Switzerland. Uh, Ajax are not not the Ajax of old, but they're dangerous on their day. Mm. Uh, Dynamo Kiev and the inevitable draw against Unai Emery's Villarreal uh, for us upcoming, of course. You know that's coming. Manchester United, Milan. I, I think this Manchester United side are massively overrated, but unfortunately with that front three, they're always going to cause problems. Milan are second in Serie A and have had a very good season on their day, can beat anyone. Slavia Prague against Rangers. You know, Slavia Prague played Leicester off the pitch in their own home stadium. You know, make it that what you will. Rangers, yeah, box of frogs, you don't know what you're going to get. Roma against Shakhtar Donetsk, never fancy Ukrainian opposition and Roma are Roma, so you can't take them lightly. And then you've got Tottenham, Dynamo Zagreb, so Tottenham. And you've got Granada against Mulder. And again, probably wouldn't be too concerned about either of those in the grand scheme of things. So, so. realistically, on our day, we could beat any team in that competition. Yeah. But realistically, we can also lose to Rangers 5 0 on aggregate. Yeah, that wouldn't know? surprise me. <laughs> so it's like, you know, that's, that's, I, I think if you look at that draw, if it goes to form, you're talking Ajax, Villarreal, Roma, Arsenal, Spurs, probably just Man United, sadly, um, Rangers and Granada. But and I think I mean, the one yeah. key thing is compared to other seasons, there hasn't been like an Atletico Madrid 
no, that's in the Champions League this year. Yeah. There's no one huge that kind of scares me. There was a chance of you know, Real Madrid dropping into this competition. And yeah, I think Dortmund. if it was one of those big ones, I think Villarreal is probably the closest we get to a side that is competent week in, week out. Uh, because two, we're unreliable. It's the two English clubs, yeah. isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to be anywhere near that lot up the road in the next round. And it, and it's not because I, it's not because I, I don't think we can beat them. It's because I cannot stomach or process the idea of losing to them in any competition. Well, if they've got a fit Bale, Kane, and Son, they'll win they're that. The they're they're win the world's it. greatest team. We all know that. No, they only need. They've only got three decent players. They've only got three decent players, and we saw at the weekend when all three of those are playing together and they're playing well, it's only taking Jose three quarters of a season to realise what a player Bale is. They'll smash everybody there. They'll, 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 they'll bottle it. I have no <clears> doubt about it because they're Spurs. But my concern is they'll put us out before they bottle it. Hmm. That's my I worry. Don't, I, I don't think it's get, we won't even get past um, the next round because we'll, we'll just someone will mess it up like we always do. Are we home or away this week? Home. Oh, away. Neither. Neither. Oh, we don't oh, play no, any game at the Emirates, do we? I don't know. I heard we play the, the second game is at home because Greece is an allowed country Greece to go right, back to. So we're away this Thursday, yeah? Yeah, mm-hmm. in okay, Greece. I kind, of, I kind of prefer the away leg first. So I think basically we need to go there. And I will beat them this year. Against, but we need to do what we didn't do against Benfica, take our chances and come away with a 2-0. Mm-hmm. You know, and and well, then you know, have a bit of a bracket. You concede, or you you draw the game, and you're you're susceptible to what's happening to Juventus tonight. You know, Porto are a very average side this season, but they scored two goals against Juventus at home, and they scored a penalty in in the in, in the Juventus stadium tonight, and that's left Juventus with a massive uphill task because they've got to score twice, and that's the sort of thing that we would do, isn't it? And if you, I'm going to be recording my preview show, which will be out tomorrow with Ryan, just after this game. It's, it won't be live. Olympiacos have got one fit centre-back. Guess, guess what his name is? Socrates. And he has a dodgy shoulder. So there you go. Josh, shall we... Play. I thought he couldn't play against us. Uh, maybe he can, maybe he can't. They, they'll probably change the rules at half-time and be able to bring him on. <laughs> um, Josh, do you want to do the listeners' questions? Uh, I can't say no, can I? Uh, it's too you late can now. Say no. We've got, uh, got one second to get it all done. Oh, there you go. Like, uh, do as many as you feel like you want to do because Chris right. has got to go. Let's go to Chris first. Let's give him all to Chris and he has to stay. Yeah. Uh, first one is him. from, I'm assuming, this is just Tone. Is it Tone, Danny? Or is yeah, it Stone? Tone. It's been cut off. Tone. No, it's Tone, T O N E. T O N E. Okay. Uh, how low does the team have to fall before you question the Arteta appointment? Um, I think anyone that knows me knows that I'm already questioning the appointment. Um, like I say, I think he's got a massive three weeks ahead of him. And for me, uh, jury's out. He's done some things I like and he's done some things I really don't like. And he's done a little bit in the middle. But I'm not sure I'm quite as sold on the process as everyone else. Fair enough. Uh Go Stokes. Question from Phil Macker: If the London Plastic Hammers finish as the top London club, is that the final confirmation that football is broken? I don't know if it's the final one, but it's certainly like the um, it'd be one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse coming over the hill. There's three others. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Noble in the Champions League, whose final season. 
could see it now. Um, Danny, I assume because you've got a mouthful of scampi, you do not have any ability to answer questions. I might do. Cool. Give it a go. <laughs> okay. From Jimmy H. So Arteta is getting questioned from some parts of the fan base, but with the amount of single person errors, poor varkles and other bits without these, we would have had, oh, fuck's sake, Jimmy H32. This is a statement. This isn't a question. Danny. Well, I agree then. Okay, <laughs> great. Uh, Why are you right. eating scampi like some sort of started startled beast? that's the perfect description of Danny if ever I've heard one startled beast yeah Uh, right yeah I agree Uh, I don't know what the question was or the statement but yeah Jimmy's usually on on point with his stuff perfect great Uh, I'll give this one to Stokes as well because he's more um, comedically inclined than Chris yeah, and that too. Uh, from Matt L. Roberts, he puts in brackets, this is a silly question. What is the best name you can come up with for what happens when Olympiacos beat us at home? Closest I can come up with is Socrates Syndrome or Heridiculous. Oh, that's good. Um, they want me to assign some sort of moniker to when Olympiacos beat us at home. Mm-hmm. Um, vaguely Greek. Colossus Thunderfuckalopodobidus. <laughs> He's decent, to be fair. Good in the air. He was, he was my second favourite dinosaur. <laughs> Behind which one? Barney. Ah, uh, nicely saved. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, question for you, Chris, from uh, Cy. Si. What percentage... Okay. Sorry, carry on. That's all right. I've got. I'm just, uh, sorry, I've just got to interject and say I am both simultaneously aroused and horrified watching Danny <laughs> inhale that pack of scampi. <laughs> That's bag one of seventeen. No, I'll keep because um, I'm because I, I tend to if it's there I'll eat it. If it's chocolate or crisps, so there's a big cardboard box. We keep it in Sean's room because I can't get in there. And my mum come round today to um at the Tesco's delivery. And she puts it away for me. I said, uh, does, does, does Sean have to endure sort of like three o'clock in the morning? You frantically scratching at the door trying to obtain scampi. <laughs> well, no, she's been living in Nottingham for the last four years, so I'm not going to go. Well, I probably would go there for scampi fry. And so I said, I wouldn't mind some. So she brings in the huge box. Her mum brings in and says, Right, you can have three. So I had these cheese and onion, um, McCoy's, <laughs> and uh, these new ones that are. What possibility is there that um, you're going to be howling at the moon at 3 a.m. in some sort of scampi-induced stupor? <laughs> well, I bought for Christmas. I used my mum gives me 300 quid and said, buy what you want. So I bought 24, a pack of a box of 24 of these and 24 of the bacon ones. And you last spent I- 300 quid on fucking scampi? <laughs> no. She gives everybody 300 quid each and says, buy what you want, because I don't know what you want. So I did the same for my birthday on the 10th of October. I'd eaten half of them before it even got to my birthday. Jesus Christ, Christ man. Today. Join you us must, next it, week for it, Diabetes like, Weekly. When you go to the toilet, it must be like trying to pass shipping rope. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, please, for Christ's sake, stop this. Uh, I think this is the best content we've had for the whole show. It's what the people really want to hear. Uh, okay. so, clog, clogged up his um, bowels. We've just, I've we've got shit since the last time we were good. Oh, my God. <laughs> You single yes, handedly keeping scampi fries afloat, aren't you? Sorry, I'm gonna start to keep interrupting. <laughs> Don't use a term afloat, for Christ's sake. That goes oh, a whole other way. 
right. uh, no, it's given me a chance to actually read through the questions, as some of them we've covered already. Uh, so, I know. Oof, where are we going to go there? That. That's a good idea. I've only been doing this nine <laughs> yeah, no, years. Right. <laughs> uh, so, Danny, I've got a question for you, actually. Uh, it's from Matt L. Roberts. He says, can Danny update us about the women's team? Shit, 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 shit. My team is leaving at the end of the season. 1-4-0, one, 1-4-0. Four, nil, one, four, nil. Not going to win it this season. Oh, yeah, she's uh, still getting loads of goals. But, yeah, off to Leon, Chris, apparently. Yes, to join Ega Hegdeberg. Because Leon mm. are the greatest women's football team in the history of football, when you, apart from Arsenal, so, but that was yeah. back in the 90s. And what, what, what country are they from? That's right. Yes, they are. I don't know. Bulgarian. Yeah, but they've got a Norwegian and a uh, what? Well, a Dutch Dutch woman. All details, Josh. Move on. All right, fine. Uh, yeah, question for well, let's go for everybody. Uh, start with you though first, Chris from Sai. Do you guys see Willock or Ainsley make the Niles coming back and having an impact on the squad next season? Is that our Sai? No. Uh, okay, I'll say hello to us though, anyway. Uh, he won't listen. He's he's way above us now. Um, I take it that noise is Danny's bowels digesting a scandy. <laughs> <laughs> the police will be along again soon to move them out. Um, do I see either Ainsley, 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 Maitland Niles coming back or Joe Willock coming back? Um, Maybe one of the two. Willock, I think, is more likely than Maitland-Niles. Maitland-Niles is, um, I think he's got he's got ideas slightly above his station, and I think he will be sold because he's English premium. And he, and to be fair, the, the guy needs games. I've, I've got no beef with him. Um, I don't think he's quite the level we need him to be in terms of midfield. So I think he'll go probably to a, a, ch- a club that comes up from from the championship i'd imagine i think he'd be quite nicely in one of their midfield like a norwich maybe as for willock i still think there's a player in there i really do it's just i don't know whether we can accommodate him in our uh in our system like you know yeah. again like we said earlier on about the you you can't say jack is not good enough and then bring willock in do you know what i mean because it's sort of like yeah. it's it's just it's kind of much of a muchness I think if Joe Willock's happy to be a squad player and continues to get games here and there, then I think he'll stick around. But it's funny that he's at Newcastle alongside Zach Hayden, who was in a very similar situation and left Arsenal for regular first team football. So I wonder if he'll go the same way. Um, but I think I think he'll have a good career because I think he's I think he's actually a really good player. But I'm just not sure that he's got enough to be a regular for us. So yeah, there yeah. you go. Uh, Stokes, same question. Um... I think Ainsley Maitland-Niles is that sort. He's sort of that age where, if it was going to happen for him in terms of regular football, it would have by now. Yeah. I think I, I like him. I think he's a good player. He was he's a solid squad player, and it'd be good to have him around. But I don't think he'll stay. Willock, uh, as yeah, there, like you said, there is a player in there. He's. Uh, is he going to get enough development time at Arsenal for that player to come out? It's debatable. I wouldn't be at all surprised if neither of them were there next season. But of the two, if I had to pick, it would probably be Willock. I think Willock's a, he, he, he's got more potential. I think Maitland-Niles is solid and dependable as he is. I think he's at the point now in his career where 
if he wants to establish himself as a regular footballer somewhere, it's not going to be at Arsenal. And it's more importantly, it's not going to be in central midfield like he wants. Yeah, I think he's got a bit of the Oxlade-Chamberlain's about him. That yeah. if he wants a career at the highest potential level, then and playing week in, week out, stick of being yeah. a winger, you'll get Incidentally, your... Incidentally, I don't think... Cham- I, I bet money Chamberlain's not at Liverpool next season as well. Mm. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he was there either. But unless they need him for homegrown quotas, I think that's all he's there for now. Because mm. he just doesn't offer them much in that midfield and we all know they're wide players. He's not going to compete with uh, you know, Salah and Mane. He won't even get in the team above Shakiri at the moment. That tells you everything you need to know about how his career's not necessarily gone in the direction he wanted. But fuck it, he probably laughs at me with my zero Champions League medals for sitting on the bench. Um, <laughs> that's true. I could I could sit on anybody's bench and get a Champions League medal. Um, <laughs> just the bench would go like that very quickly <laughs> uh, it'd be eclipsed by yeah. boxes of scampy fries <laughs> actually that you could counterbalance Danny could sit on one end of the mm. bench and just stack scampy fries at the other end and it would just be nice he could, act, a, he could act as a deterrent to oppos- opposing attackers just you know <laughs> rampantly devouring scampy fries as a means of off-putting them just I by so his... many on Christmas, my gums hurt because they're sharp. <laughs> Seriously, Jesus. I was I mean, on I soft can, I can... three days. You're going to be picture... like Jerry Springer in five years, aren't you? He's like, we had to take the side of Danny's house off to airlift him to safety. Here's his halitosis was so strong that <laughs> the walls of his house melted, melted. away. <laughs> I don't want to ruin it, but that's the first, they're the first two bags of crisps I've had in a week. And every night I either have jacket potatoes and tuna or pasta and tuna. See, you have ruined it because like we're all we're all basically rip, ripping the piss out of you for just eating 24-7 and you've just killed the illusion. <sighs> I remember when this podcast was about, you know, funny. So what you're that. saying is that your diet consists primarily of jacket potatoes, tuna and scampi fries. You yes, and rice. Jesus. Your trip to, to the laboratory must be damn near biblical. <laughs> For a week, I was having two jacket potatoes, a bag of Uncle Ben's microwave rice, and a tin of tuna. And someone pointed out that's a lot of carbs. That is a lot of carbs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry, still as right. uh, And we have a question from our Richard as well, but it's about VAR, and I don't know if I've got the uh, the pa- not patience, the will. To talk I'll, about I'll, it. I'll give it but, 30 seconds if you like. Go on, Chris. So our question for Richard is, rather than checking every single goal slash decision, how would you feel if each team had three challenges, like in cricket or NFL, or I think tennis have it as well? Um, I would start the process with one challenge and see how that went, because I think three, you can basically appeal anything knowing that you've still got two more to go. So I think that would lead to... Uh, lead Maybe to a bit. one and a half. Yeah, no, no, I, I would just stick to one could, because if you look at the overall incidents, um, if you look at the Burnley game, for example, I'm assuming VAR can still do their usual thing. So that would be a case in the Burnley game, for example, where you would use your challenge, where the VAR has said to the referee, there's nothing to see here, Governor. That would be when I would be challenging, saying, actually, as a manager of my team, referee, I want you to go and look at that. I don't care what VAR says. Whereas the VAR decision for the, the shoulder, that would just be given as a normal VAR decision. So you wouldn't appeal that because it's very obvious. They've all got tablets. They all see the replays. You wouldn't challenge it. 
So I think you've got one challenge and it makes it more interesting because if that incident happens in the first 20 seconds of a game, you know, like Manchester City, Manchester United game at the weekend, for example, if that was a slightly more controversial penalty and Gabriel Jesus, you know, doesn't just throw himself into the path of an oncoming striker, you know, you know, you, you know, you've only got one challenge. So are you going to rely on VAR? And, and I think, and you have to implement the rule where you can only challenge when the VAR has made the decision or you can challenge before it goes to VAR. You couldn't like go, oh, we, did, we didn't get it. And now we've seen the replay. Now we'll challenge it. You'd have to have a system in place where you have to make the challenge early before it goes to VAR or you'd have to make the, or you'd have to appeal the VAR decision. But I would only give them one. But it's, it's you know, it's, a, it's an interesting it's an interesting idea, but personally, I would just throw VAR in the bin or get people who can actually operate it correctly. Anything else from anyone on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, what Chris was saying about the uh, one challenge per game yeah. makes sense. My concern with things like this is it starts to get a bit gimmicky and you're flirting dangerously with it becoming like, like American football, say, where they spend more time fucking around than they do actually playing the game. Yeah, I think exactly. it's, it's just you don't want football to become a sport where it's constantly interrupted and there's no flow. And I just think uh, they're on that borderline at the moment where it's already become, you know, sort of like a jarring interruption in games and it interrupts the flow. Interrupts the flow. People can't really, you know, celebrate a goal at the moment properly without having to look around and make sure the decision's final. So. As far as I'm concerned, anything that sort of impacts upon you know, the organic flow of a football match and it's more impediment than it is, you know, heightening the way the game works, and I'm a definite no. And just to add to that as well, if you had a situation, I used the Leeds-West Ham game again last night, that was a very fractional call with Patrick. I'm never offside on this, Bamford. Um, he's, he's fractionally offside by sort of his kneecap, essentially you'd also have a, a very interesting conversation if you challenge that decision and VAR sticks by its original decision and says, yeah, you've had your challenge. We're sticking by our decision. And that creates, I think you would end up then going down a legal route where clubs, yeah. you know, like we said earlier on about Sheffield United, their seasons could be yeah. like that. And I think, the, you know, because they would be saying, well, we've made the challenge because we've seen the pictures yeah. and we know that he's actually onside. And then you'd start having corruption talk and it would be very serious. Uh, I, I don't know how much you can say that one game sent us down when you were shit in the other 37. That's also fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I think, I think it, yeah, I think it's a really, like you said, Stokes, you'd end up having like a big scoreboard with like challenges yeah. remaining and, you know, it would all get very like, yeah. I just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one step away from Americanized. Hi there, we're going to the penalization zone sort of yeah. conversation. Yeah, you'd have an ad break for 20 minutes and, you know, yeah. that 365 thrown down your throat for 20 minutes. Doing this beer when you were doing that accent. <laughs> that was actually a throwback to my like, utterly fucking woeful American accent. <laughs> and the other problem you've got with VAR as well is you can't really road test it at lower levels because they haven't got the technology. You'd have to go in at the very VAR light for the championship, championship or something. Yeah, there's talk of it, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. God. It's um, it's VAR, but without the arseholes. <laughs> <laughs> what, you, what you want is a system like the gold, like the you know ball over the line. That's what you want, isn't it? I, for me, what I want is some competent fucking referees. Uh, that, that's that's too hard to ask. That is you know. kind of like the um, the place you start. You just 
you know, yeah, it's not to just get someone who knows what they're doing. Mm. Spend yeah, some the money on Mike Hawkeye, you know, where the players like the, the, the technology. Well, <laughs> maybe not ahead. Do do what do what we've done. You know, they're, they're all the players wear sports bras that track their movement throughout the whole game, every single game. Just just simply put that into the shirts. They've got the technology; they can put it in the ball. Just just put, you know, the footballer shirts are worth a hundred quid for a match day shirt nowadays. They're all you know cellophane and God knows what else, and you know they're all streamlined all this shit. Just put a chip into the shirt and, you know, and because then you eliminate the issue of is his arm offside or leg because you've got, if you put the technology into the shirt or shorts or socks, it's very easy to, to then have the clear decision. They're off, they're on, that's it. You always it's get someone that's on or offside. But, yeah. yeah. It's got we'll advantages for the technology as well, like Chris said. Mm-hmm. You could always put, like, a chip in a shirt and have someone who has access to the chip that can just, yeah. you know... Zap the fuck Check out it. of Granite Jacker when he's back in <laughs> keep, keep him away from our goal. Josh, if I said to you, if I said to you we lost to Burnley, I know we didn't, but just say say we lost that game to Burnley because Chris Wood scored with uh okay, let, let's say let's say his kneecap, literally his kneecap or the mm. point of his elbow is offside and he scores. Yeah, we're all sat here going, Oh fucking hell, it's offside. But are you more annoyed at? Would you be more annoyed at that, where it's a marginal call, or are you more annoyed at a blatant refusal to look at a handball, which is clear for all to see? I'd be more annoyed at, at the, the the latter than I would about a close call offside goal. Uh, so I think whichever way you cut the offside rule, you'll always have marginal calls. Exactly. Whichever way you do it, it's going to happen because even with like the daylight rule, oh, this guy was had an inch of daylight in there or a centimeter of daylight or even a millimeter because we've got the technology for it uh that's always going to be a case which is why i kept saying to a lot of people on twitter they get very annoyed with me they say it doesn't matter which way you do it you're always gonna get marginal calls you cannot have an offside rule that eliminates an inch tolerance because the tolerance is only going to get bigger it's always going to be the case just make it it doesn't matter which way you do it well i think the problem is and I think it's where the Wenger rule comes in, going back to it, is that rule is not for leagues that have VAR. No, that's true. VAR should be the one that's covering. What he's trying to do is make it easier for linesmen, you know, down on Sunday league level or even League Two, League One, yeah. where they don't have any technology to help them through. He's trying to make the job easier for linesmen. Look a lot yeah, yeah. To get yeah, the sure. call done immediately. And I think that's the thing for him. And yeah, we are seeing marginal calls now because of the offside rule but even with the daylight rule yeah we'll get then also they'll get reviewed anyway look at the decision the lino gave in that that leeds game he Mm. he called that with his naked eye and he got it absolutely spot on Mm. do you know what i mean and yet to the naked eye he looks on side you know you thought leeds had gone one and up but he got that spot on and he also made a brilliant call with the ball got out of play which he would have been very hard to see from that angle so that they're not they're not all bad like there's some very good officials so, I mean, it's oh, yeah, like absolutely. You said, no, and I, no hard and fast rule, is there? No. And I think that's the, the thing when you look at things in the whole is when we make rules for football, they're not for people who have technology necessarily because that's only 10% of the entire game. But they've also got to look at it from the case of other bits and pieces. And I don't think the challenges necessarily work. So I'd rather get the officials to be competent and the rules to be correct rather than throwing challenges in 
we're we're all at fault as football fans, aren't we? We asked for this. We wanted, you know, we wanted those marginal calls. We were the ones that moaned that we didn't get, and now this is what we've got. Mm. Oh <laughs> yeah, know? we see it. We see these marginal calls now coming down to the millimeter, but that's because we yeah. had the inclination that we thought, oh, you know what? I reckon he's off there by about an inch. And now we yeah, just see them in real time and oh, it annoys us. But I think the problem is how yeah, long yeah. it takes. And the fact that even when you can blatantly see that there's an issue there, that it's still given yeah. incorrectly. I think that's the problem. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. People, humans are always at the crux of the problem, whichever way you look at it. We're always the issue. Yeah. Um, and on that joyful note, Danny, <laughs> back to you because we're done on questions. Thank you very much, Josh. You were splendiferous. Right. Um, gentlemen's nods. Uh, have any of you bothered to remember that we do a gentleman's nod near the end of the show? Got one ready to go. Go on in, Chris. Okay. Am I allowed to be serious for a minute? Is that allowed on this podcast? Are we? My one is quite sad. But carry well, on. Well, so is mine, but I don't know. Maybe oh, we'll go down the same route. I'll go and cross that off yeah. mine then. Yeah, you do it. Well, I'll, I'll go down my route and let's see if you're thinking on the same lines as me. Um, if you like podcasts, um, dear listener, you'll know who Andrew Mangan is. Um, he's he's known as Ask Blog, and um, he lost his father to COVID-19 last week. And I think I probably speak for everyone. I know I speak for you, Danny, when I say that that Andrew's podcast and the Ask Blog name was the very first introduction I ever had to, to podcasting from an Arsenal perspective. Before there were 487,000 podcasts about Arsenal every week. Um, he was definitely, for me, the original and, and the best, and probably still is, in, in fairness. And whether you like Andrew or, or you don't, whether you agree with his views or you don't, um, I think losing somebody close you know like a father or as a father in this case is, is incredibly sad and when it comes from somebody who you've essentially sort of grown up listening to you know Andrew to me almost feels like a mate he's been on this podcast he's done a podcast with me and Danny personally you know he's always very generous at this time and, he, and he's just a, a thoroughly nice bloke and he, I thought he gave a very moving tribute to his father uh on the Outcast extra this week and, and it was incredibly sad and it made me um, yeah, quite emotional. I'm not, I'm not going to deny. So um, I know he's had a lot of tributes and I'm sure he probably won't hear this, but um, uh, you know, here's to you, Andrew, and, and here's to your dad. And uh, yeah, hopefully other people don't have to, to go through this um, as a result of this horrific disease. And yeah, God bless and, and, uh, and, and Godspeed to, to Andrew's dad. Would it be okay if I added something to this? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, like you guys, uh, I mean, I've had the occasional sort of where he's been, he, used to, he came on with Daniel and me a while back and here and there I wrote for Ask Blog, I wrote some of the um, uh, match reviews, this has gone back a while. One of the things I always remember is that my mum passed away in 2013 and one of the first people that sent me an email, because I think I wrote about it in a similar way that he did and he didn't really know who I was and he's a really busy guy. But he was one of the first people that emailed me to offering his condolences. It's one of those things that's always stuck with me since when that someone that was, you know, he was in a position of being sort of at the top. He was the um, Arsenal blog that most people looked up to. Yeah, he still took the time out of his day to offer his condolences when my mum passed away. It's just one of those little gestures that I really thought, you know, sums up how much of a good man he is and how much class he has. Uh, it's just one of those things that I've always remembered since that time. And, you know, 
I just have the utmost respect for that man. I think he's a really good guy and it's sad to see him going through something like that. Yeah, well said, yeah. Do you want to add to that, Joshua? It feels like we're all in I the don't same think page. There's, yeah, I don't think there's really anything further to add and any other shout-out that seems, um, yeah, not right. Uh, I think we should definitely all shout-out to Andrew and we're all thinking of him in this moment. Yeah. Well, yeah. mine is along the similar lines. I do a co like doing a preview show with Ryan in a bit. Ryan hosts a quiz on um, an Arsenal quiz, and Mike McDonald, who does all of the questions for the quiz, he's uh, his mum passed away this week. Um, he lives in America. His mum's in in England, and it was out of the blue. I had no idea it was going to happen. And then recently, like you were saying, with with Ask Blog, lost his dad. who was in his eighties. Graham, who does the same old Arsenal, lost a parent. Mangunian who's a friend of the pod last year. He, he lost his mum and his nan, I think both to COVID. Lee Judge has lost his dad. And uh, and, and Yogi's Warrior, um, someone who we probably all seen from Twitter. He, he passed away around Christmas time. And I, remember, was... I remember he came on with um, Daniel and I back in the day quite a lot, oh, Yogi's oh. Warrior did. Mm, yeah. Really, really nice guy. Like, yeah, Hardly yeah. anybody mentioned that. The only way I found out is I following him and then I went to message him to see if he wanted to come on the show. And I saw that he's one of his um, family members have put on his Twitter that he passed away. And that's that's one that I think everybody knew knew him from his Twitter. But yeah. that I think the older you get and the further you go along in life, you you get more of an understanding that there are more important things in life than football. There's, there's oh, family and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And so when you're at a young age and you're tweeting that the, the world's a disaster and your life's falling apart, when you're living at home with your parents and you've, you've got no money worries, you've got no family to worry about, you're very narrow-minded. But the older you get, the more you see it. And, and my mum's 77 and my dad's 74 and they're both still with us. And uh, I see all these other people that are about my age and their parents are passing away and stuff like that. It does make you think, bloody hell, you've got to make the most of it. So, yeah, if you haven't spoke to your parents for a while, go and give them a ring, give them a hug, tell them, uh, tell them you love them because uh, you don't know how long they're going to be there for. It doesn't really apply to my At risk of sounding slightly morbid, as someone who's lost both, then I can absolutely say you should do that. Yeah. Or even mates, well, you know, just who you haven't spoken to. But, yeah, it's... Very, very moving and, and the tribute. Sometimes you can listen to someone talk about someone and you, and you can really get the feels, you know, that everything they're saying is really from the heart. And that was something that stuck with me. So um, we'll bring it back up to finish um, and give a big shout out to uh, to Seelaw, uh, who has just become a member, which means he gets my uh, cream crusted uh, wife fronts. So um, we don't know which level. I'm not what a wonderful prize. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and a pair and a, a packet of empty scampi fries, courtesy of Danny. Um, and he's also put in the chat uh, that his pirate badge has come off his shirt. That means I must know who this is, but I don't recognise the name. So Seelaw and he's just donated five pounds. What a what a legend. What, a legend. <laughs> what, what do you do with um, the guy with money that people donate other than spend it on scampi fries? <laughs> Once you get it to sixty quid, um yeah. YouTube will put it into your bank account or, or your bank account. So about every six months we get maybe a hundred quid or something like that. And yeah, cheers for that, C Law. And he's also and he's now an, an official I'm a mushroom. So he's joined at the 99 P. I say he, I'm sure it's a he. Could be a she. Could be neither. Could be one of the alphabet people that have, they've added new letters to the alphabet people. I'm very happy about that. And I and an A. Whomever whomever C Law is in real life, um, this is real life, but if you drop Danny a message on Twitter, 
uh, about your shirt. If you want me to reprint it, then I'll do that. No worries. Just send it to me and I'll get it done. So don't worry about that. That's very kind of you. Yeah, so we ended the show there on a little bit of, a, a bit of an up note. But there is more important things in life than football, people. Football, I, mean, I, I don't ever get angry about football anymore. I, don't, I really just don't care. just doesn't matter. I'd rather just go out and sit in the by the river and talk. That's just, a scamp, that's just a scampy fries talking. Scampy <laughs> <laughs> fries. Right. Um, we will be back again. Um, well, I'm doing a show later tonight that will be out tomorrow. We'll be back again on Thursday. It will be John and Richard will be doing the preview, um, the, the, the post-game show. And then on Sunday... If Spurs win, there probably won't be a show. If if we beat Spurs, everybody's going to be on it. <laughs> so, it's, it's so funny, it's true. Oh dear. Yeah, I won't be doing it because the offspring's home for for a week. Uh, she had a test and she's negative for both children and, and COVID. So I'm happy on both counts. I, I, I'm going to mention to Daniel and Jock about taking you up on your offer to let us have the keys to a Burkamp Wonderland as well. See? I, I think you can do your good. own... It's all paid for, so you don't have to pay for anything. And then you can uh, put it on our platform. Or if you still got your YouTube, we talk about it. Yeah, you you can. We wouldn't offer that to many people, but as as Gunasphere um, were probably one of my favourite podcasts ever. It'd be lovely to see you lot come back. Um, so thank you very much to for Chris for for just, for just being you because you're wonderful. I I wouldn't go that far, but keep blowing no, that smoke up my gum because it feels really good. Um, but no, you're welcome, Danny. I, I know I'm not on as frequently as I probably could or should, should be. Is the word you're looking for? Yeah, <laughs> but I, I I love chatting to you guys and 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 the chat is always fun. So uh, yeah, I, I may be making a majestic return to Twitter at some point in the near future. So keep your eyes peeled because I want at least six followers. Any less than six, and I'm off again. Uh, thank you very much, Josh, for joining us. Uh, you are my favourite, Josh. Uh, I told Carl he was last week, but he isn't really. You are. Thanks, Danny. Um, yeah. Carl's my favourite. Uh, what? Piss off, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> no, we all know Ellis is my favourite. He's everyone's favourite. Cheeky little man. I bet he smells really good. Oh, that I guy works in the county. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah I don't know what you mean. <laughs> uh, and finally, the, uh, the legendary James Ralph Stokes from the soon-to-be revamped the Goonosphere podcast it's uh, it's wonderful to have you back on because uh hey, you're more than welcome ha- happy to come on whenever you are it is it's uh and thank you very much to everybody in the chat you have stuck with us an hour and a half show that's lasted two hours ryan's probably sitting there twiddling his thumbs waiting Ah, oh, kaiser sose's turned up with uh, a minute of the show left to go hello kaiser how are you oh look divan Divian, who is at all, he's, he's watches all the podcasts. He says uh, you're his favourite, Chris. I paid him to say that. Thanks, Divian. He certainly did. Right. Thank you very much to everybody who was listening. If you're new, give it a subscribe. Give it a thumbs up. If if you don't like Josh, give it a thumbs down because he is an official thumbs down collector. Like like um, the Grim Reaper is a collector of souls. Josh is the collector of thumbs down. And uh, we will be back soon. Oh look, the the Gooners podcast of fucking turned up bloody lightweights oh jesus right this this could go on and on oh, hold on he's trademarked gunasphere i'm not having that no I've, i'll give you his mobile number you can ring him up and harass him no i <laughs> will do that it'll <laughs> be expli- explicit and extraordinarily unnecessary as well that's it that's exactly what it is right i'm gonna go now i'm pressing end everybody say goodbye goodbye adios muchachos Bezelis. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid.
Splendid business. Get down, dog. <laughs>